0: Saturday preview show part two. So if you uh, missed the part one of the Breeders' Cup preview show, we have individual conversations about all of the Breeders' Cup races, starting with the third race on Saturday at Keeneland. So that's the Philly and Mayor sprint. We dive into races three, four, five, Six, seven, eight, and nine, all on the part one show with different guests handicapping each race. Now, on this episode, we have another conversation about race number nine, the Breeders' Cup Distaff with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocalli. We'll move to race number 10, the Breeders' Cup Turf with Caitlin Free, helping us out really with a lot of those international runners. Then we get into the Breeders' Cup Classic, two different conversations about the Classic. First up, Barry Spears and Matt DeSantis help us out talking about each of the horses in there, and then we get to Emily Gullickson to finish up with the Breeders' Cup Classic final conversation. So on this episode, part two of the Breeders' Cup preview show for Saturday, you'll get Race number 9, the Distaff with Andrew and Darren. You'll get the Breeders' Cup Turf with Caitlin. You'll get the Breeders' Cup Classic with Barry and Matt. And then another Breeders' Cup Classic chat with Emily Gullickson. On this episode, that is presented by BetterThan.Vegas at BTVBets. Go give them a follow right now at Bets. Free handicapping and gambling analysis for football, basketball, baseball, college football, horse racing, weekly shows to preview the standard red action from Woodbine Mohawk. I host a ton of the content over there. Give them a look at BTV Bets. For all of your handicapping, get to DRF.com for the past performances. Right now, they have the different packages available for the Breeders' Cup, the Players' Package. The VIP package and the Timeform US package Each of them have some specific tools and features That you may use or that you may particularly want In your handicapping Get to DRF.com Everything you need to succeed DailyRacingForm.com I'm always using Daily Racing Form Every time I handicap, every single day, every single race It's DRF and it's DRF Formulator for me this weekend will be the final weekend for about 6 weeks or so where you can play at Santa Anita for free and try to play for $1000 on Saturday and on Sunday. pickem.santaanita.com p i c k e m.santaanita.com that's the website. It's a free contest, 12 questions. All you have to do is log in, create an account, doesn't have to doesn't cost you anything, no deposits, no credit cards, down nothing like that. Just answer the 12 questions. Some of them are very simple, like pick the winner of race number four at Santa Anita. Others will ask you, you know, uh, pick the the point spread in one of the college football games for Saturday. Others will combine horse racing and sports props. What number will be higher? Total wins on the card for uh, Umberto Rispoli or total hits in the game by Bryce Harper? There will be uh, questions just like that all the way through. If you win, you get $1,000 Saturday and on Sunday. Two more chances this weekend to get involved. Pickem.santaanita.com. Let's dive into the Breeders' Cup Distaff with Andrew and with Darren. We had another chat about the Breeders' Cup Distaff on our previous show. If you want to take a listen to that, we talked with Emily Gullickson all about the Breeders' Cup Distaff. Now we have a conversation with Andrew and with Darren. Breeders' Cup Distaff mm mm-hmm. Well, you heard uh, these fellas helped me out talking earlier One of the juvenile races on the Friday show Now we're going to talk about one of the main events of the weekend The Breeders' Cup Distaff Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocalli. join me again To talk about this group DZ, a different, totally different race than, uh, than the one that we just talked about Where we had young horses going long on the turf These are more proven, seasoned fillies and mares Who have been around for a little while We don't have a massive group but it's a real, real quality group in here, where you have a horse like Nest, who's a nice three-year-old. She's faced the boys. She was your runner-up in the Belmont, and she's going to be facing a good, good group of some older horses like you No know, Malathot, Search Results, Clariere, And Then you kind of have a sharp, kind of wise guy three-year-old filly like Society, who is very, very fast and has you know a, a possibility to run them off their feet. It's not a field of 14, but this is a good, solid group of eight.
1: It was funny. I, when I went through the race the first time, I said, uh, when the morning line, well, not the first time, but after the morning line came out, I said, Can you imagine if I would have told people on July the 24th that in the Breeders' Cup distaff, Secret Oath would be two and a half times the price of society? I know. <laughs> right? Uh, pretty wild. Uh, it, it's a really interesting race. You have three um you know very nice three year old fillies you have the um uh, the Kentucky Oaks winner who's kind of uh, obviously lost some of the luster off her star you have the the freakish nest you have the wise guy speedster society and then you have the established group of older mayors led by Malathat who of course is just a brilliant mare herself brilliant filly she's only four um it, it's a tremendous race it, it's a really good race and um There's a lot of different ways to go And I'm looking forward to diving into it
0: So we'll just go inside uh, to outside here Makes the most sense in this group And we'll begin with the number one Malathat She is such a nice filly And she's become really, really versatile She probably has a little more speed Than, you know, a a rival like Clariere Who's more of a stone-cold closer So she can keep herself in the race a little bit more And what's interesting with Malathat her and Clariere felt like they were sort of even and then like as far as where they st- uh, stood up and kind of stacked up in the division for the older Phillies and mares, and then in the Ogden Phipps and, and after the Chauvy, it kind of felt like it was Clariere's time because she had beat Malafat and back to back. She'd gotten the better of search results there Then Clariere. Doesn't really fire in the personal ensign. We can talk about what happened that race. If it was a race to excuse. And now in back-to-back races. Malathot kind of got the stranglehold. Of the older Phillies and Mares. DZ. She was a powerful winner of the spinster. In a race where she was just way better. Than that field. So she crushed them. And in the personal ensign. She de- uh, she defeated search results. It's kind of tough to get a feel for that race. Because it was a field of five. And Clarier really no-showed. So it ended up being. You know, she beat search results in Latruska, which was still solid. I don't have many knocks on her at all. She's very honest. She always shows up. Your Kentucky Oaks winner last year, and she was third in the Breeders' Cup Distaff last year. She was only beaten a, a half length in that really weird run race where the pace went crazy quick early and fell apart.
1: Talk to us about Malathot. One of the more perplexing outcomes of a horse race that I will ever see is how Malathat did not win the Breeders' Cup Distaff last year, the way that race went. (laughs) I know. Um, And and that's coming from somebody who had the worst beat in the history of beats, who if Dunbar Road wins that race, I hit not only big win bets, but unbelievable multi-race exotics. And it's probably something that I will never get over. And I still don't understand how Malathat did not win that particular race. Now, that being said, she's obviously peaking at the right time. They have her primed and ready for the Breeders' Cup Distaff. Um, the way this race is going to be run is interesting. Uh, I think she might be a little bit farther back than we have seen the last couple of starts, which could be a little bit tricky for her. Um, I don't necessarily think that there is an abundance of real rapid speed. I think there is some speed to the outside and a couple of horses that like to stalk. And I think Malathat is probably going to be five, six lengths off them here. Um, she's coming into this in peak form. Her last two are, are, are tremendous. Her most recent victory, albeit against horses like, uh, you know, like Army Wife. Uh, you know, I mean, she's supposed to beat that field by five lengths and she did. I don't have anything to knock her with, to be honest with you. Um, and I would probably come into this saying she's probably the most likely winner of the race. And she's not favored on the morning line. And that in and of itself is probably a good betting opportunity. Andrew, let's talk about Malathon.
2: Happy to. You look at Malafat and you see a horse that has done very, 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 very little wrong. Nine of 13 lifetime, five grade one wins. Consider this. If Malafat wins the Breeders' Cup Distaff, you're looking at 10 of 14, earnings of about $4 million, champion older mayor this year. That is a Hall of Fame resume by anybody's standards. And she's got a real shot, especially because... There is speed in this race, specifically towards the outside. And we'll talk more about society and search results and maybe even Nest as we get to those horses in the field. I think there is a lot to like with Malafat. Three for three here at Keeneland. The spinster didn't come back particularly fast, it didn't necessarily have to. The race she ran three back in the shoe. V. You can almost consider that a throwout too, because Todd Pletcher has gone on record saying she was just not herself in the paddock. They let her over. They put blinkers on for the first time and she was dull, totally listless. I'm willing to draw a line through that race. You do that. You have a horse that's won three or four starts the lone loss by a head to Clary in a race that while not as weird as the breeders cup distaff from November was pretty darn weird in that the race completely fell apart. Big, big chance here from Alifat from the rail. I would not be at all surprised if she wins this race. She's an A for me here.
1: Would you say she's if, the most likely winner of the race?
2: Probably.
1: If you, if a you spec- ran the race, if you ran the race a hundred times, does she win it more than anybody else?
2: Sure. Seems that way, at least yeah. from what I'm seeing on paper. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about Claire when we get there, because I do think the personal ensign in her case is a complete and total throwout, but we talk a lot about the three-year-old Phillies this year. We were, we previewed the Kentucky Oaks together and we were, we remember saying that, Hey, we think this is a really good crop with the exception of nest. I actually think they've underachieved a little bit since then. And I think the older Philly and mayor division is loaded
0: by comparison. Malathot and one of the major players in here. Yeah. She'll be in my exotics. I, I, I can't leave her out. Um, can't leave her out of any pick fours, pick fives that I'm playing. Her versatility is nice. She should save all the ground. I agree with DZ. I think she'll be a little bit farther back. She's probably not my top selection in the race based on her price, um, but I won't be leaving her out. So she's definitely in the mix for me. As we move to Blue Stripe, this is a mare who's I mean, she's in a tough spot. I actually like this mare quite a bit. I think she has a, a lot of ability. She's done some good work in Southern California. They took a shot with her in the Breeders' Cup last year in her first start In the US and it was her first start in like 5 months So she was in really really tough there She was 50 to 1 She's done some good work so far this year But she faces a really tough group And DZ like If I was going to play a horse like this As a big long shot I would have wanted to see one more prep from her I, I don't like the fact also that she's coming into this race Even if she is like better fresh I would want more seasoning And I would want to get a feel for her A little bit better now, she did get the better of She Dares the Devil, a talented filly. Uh, what, your Oaks winner from a, a few years back? That was in the Clement Hirsch. I just, she feels like a cut below, and um, I I have a hard time with the time between. We haven't seen her since August, so she's going to be coming off the bench and having to deal with a, a, probably a tougher group in the Breeders' Cup than she had to face last year.
1: I would probably also like her more if the race was in Southern California. Yeah. um, Yeah, look. I really respect the fact that they've gotten three nice races out of her this year. She's a Grade one winner. They've accomplished their goal in that. Why not take a shot in the breeders cup? She is coming in off a three month layoff, which, which is a lot, you know, I know she's run well fresh before, but it's a lot. Um, There's, I'm sure there's a reason for it. Um, Maybe this is just a Philly that needs a little bit more time at times. Uh, She is 10, she is five years old and only run 10 times. I agree with you. She feels a cut below. Um, Would I be completely astonished if she ran really well here I wouldn't go that far I would be surprised, I respect her Like you said, she did defeat She Dares the Devil The horse that ran second there, Desert Dawn Would probably be about 40-1 to in this field as a three-year-old filly Um, But that being said, uh, I do respect her Um, I I just tend to think, I agree, she's just a a cut below the best in here
2: Agreed Uh, You look at this horse and you see some early speed this horse has been directly off of some reasonably fast races at Santa Anita and Del Mar. You see half miles and 46 and four, and this horse is pressing the pace. I think the draw really helps her here with all of the speed to the outside. She ought to be able to at least get some positioning going into the first turn. I just don't think that's enough. I think this is a nice horse that. Won a very weak grade one last time out. The runner-up was Desert Dawn, who, yes, ran third in the Kentucky Oaks, but at the same time hadn't really accomplished a whole heck of a lot. Other than that, she dares the devil has had a heck of a career, but just hits me as over the top, I believe, five years old now. Prefer others is probably the adequate term. There are grade one races, and then there are grade one races in all capital letters. This one's the latter.
0: Secret oath is the number three. This is your Kentucky Oaks winner from this year. She faced the boys a couple times. She was third in the Arkansas Derby. She was fourth in the Preakness. And since the Preakness, she hasn't. I mean, her Preakness race was was fine. It was actually the best race she's ever run in her career. You know, on on speed figures. She was a she was fourth and like a non-threatening fourth with a little bit of trouble. But DZ, she just hasn't really progressed. You know, early in the year. There was a time period where she was, you know, the, by far the best three-year-old filly before nest. We, you know, we were talking about how she may have been alive if she took a swing in the Kentucky Derby going in, but she, she hasn't gotten faster as a lot of the other horses have improved. And with her running style, she, she's like a real grinder. Um, she doesn't really have that much of a turn of foot and like. She and Nest were maybe on even terms going into the Kentucky Oaks And Nest has just been so much more impressive in the following races than Secret Oath Talk to us about the D. Wayne Lucas-trained Kentucky Oaks winner
1: Yeah, one of the more perplexing campaigns that I can remember um, And I don't mean that uh, in terms of how they've campaigned her I mean the result of her races mm-hmm. You mentioned the fact that she's a real grinder and doesn't have a turn of foot If we talked about this Philly going into the Preakness, we would have said the exact opposite. I know in the the winter months at Oaklawn in the Kentucky Oaks, she had an electrifying turn of foot. That Arkansas Derby race was great with a bunch of trouble. Awful trip, terrible ride. That's why the rider was replaced. And even after that, in the Kentucky Oaks, we saw it again. She was she was push button. It was hold, hold, hold. And you say go, she took off like a rocket ship. Where did that go? It's it's yeah, it's
0: gone. I, she just she she hasn't had that same. Oomph. And did, did the races against the boys take a little something out of her? I don't know. We may have lost EZ here for yeah, a second. Yeah, I think
2: we did. I think races we did. Have
0: gotten, oh, okay. Oh, you you lost. it? Oh, you're, you're good. I think you just went silent. You just went. Uh, oh. we just lost your audio for one second. But keep going. Oh, sorry yeah.
1: about that. Sorry about that. I, I was saying I think with her that she she was more precocious. She developed before some of the other Phillies did. And that's why we saw that big turn of foot. And as the rest of the Phillies, the three-year-old Phillies especially, have caught up to her. And the races have gotten faster. That turn of foot has now gone away. Uh, And I don't see it coming back at this point. Um, She's a complete play against for me. I will go on record as saying that I think she has absolutely no chance to win this race.
0: I agree. She won't be on any of my tickets. Andrew, Secret oath, talk to us about her.
2: Yes, she won't be on any of mine as well. I would like her a little bit more if this race was at a mile and a quarter rather than a mile and an eighth. I was there for the Alabama. I thought she ran well that day. The only problem is she ran into a buzzsaw named Nest that, as you guys have mentioned, progressed significantly, whereas Secret Oath has sort of been running the same race over and over now that same race over and over again has meant she wins the Kentucky Oaks is fourth in the Preakness is second in two grade ones at Saratoga and is third in the cotillion. That's not half bad if you can get it, but it's definitely a case where you sense they're looking for something to push her up to that next level. And that's where I look at the workouts and this doesn't sway my opinion any particular way. I think she's a bit overmatched in here. I look October 16th. And I see a one mile. I know
1: a mile work. Yeah.
2: That is as old school as old school gets.
1: They're pulling out everything they can think of. Yep. Kitchen sink. Yeah. (laughs) And
2: to be fair, she came out of that and worked 58 and four for five furlongs. That's a heck of a move. So maybe they did find something, but they would have to find something and nest and others would need to regress. She's a very nice horse. If she moves forward from three to four, like she is bred to do, she could have a really special campaign next year. I just think she's
0: a little over the top. I didn't... She seemed like she was moving okay in the cotillion, too, when she kind of moved in into to second. She's about three or four lengths off, and then she just couldn't sustain the rally really at all. I was... Ex- not that she was going to win the race,
1: but... Well, that's been the MO the last few starts. Exactly. She couldn't it. hold off morning it's match. It's just
0: yeah. it's just a little... Little, you're right It's almost like, it's almost like the distances Like she would be a miler where she could just have that little punch You know, and and she just, she got a little flat But I'm I'm not all that high on her in this spot As we move to Clariere I have been such a big fan of this filly um, forever She has loads of ability Her issue is she's not very fast early So in smaller fields When she faces rivals that are more tactical than her She's gonna get beat When she's in honest races where there's a decent pace, she's pretty good, and it looked like she had turned the corner this year and been able to be a little bit more of a little bit more tactical, just a little bit. She had a really good kind of four race stretch leading into the personal ensign where she Won her prep to start the year at fairgrounds easily. Then she went into the Apple Blossom. She was defeated by Latruska, who was still pretty good at that point. Latruska lost some steps recently. And when Latruska gets out front, she's tough to run down. Then Clariere beat all of the best fillies and mares in the Ogg and Phipps and the shuvi and back-to-back. She ran down search results. She was on even terms with Malathot and outkicked her. Then we get to the personal ensign. She was bumping around in the starting gate before they were delaying because she was bouncing all around. And then the the gate opens up and she just doesn't fire. She just was never in it at all. And it's hard to play a horse coming off of a race like that in the biggest race of their life in the Breeders Cup. But then on the flip side, DZ, you know, if we're talking about her on July the 25th, she's the favorite in this race.
1: Yeah, you know. and 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 she also had a legitimate excuse. You talked about the gate antics and the personal lens, and and it came back reported that she actually hit her face on the starting gate where she cut her mouth and her tongue really badly. And you know, you put that all into the equation, and it explains the race. It really does. Um, and she was eight to five that day against Malathot. I I didn't necessarily believe she was better than Malathat going into the Shuve because I thought that she just benefited from an ideal setup in the FIPS. And I thought going into a four-horse field with less speed in the Shuve, uh, I thought that race was going to fall right into Malathat's hands, and she won the race anyway, which showed me, okay, understood. She's that good. Then she had a legitimate excuse in the personal in where, like I said, She hit her face in the starting gate. She cut herself badly. That'll throw any athlete off at you know when they have to perform immediately after. Uh, And she's been given some time off since then. If she can run back to her races in the Shuvee or the Phipps, she can absolutely win this race. And you're going to get a much better price than you would if she won the Personal Engine, where she would be favored here. If she's four to one, five to one at post time, she's a must use. Uh, and I would not talk anybody off of playing her.
2: I like her a lot. I'd pick her second behind Malafat in here. I think Malafat is more talented. She's more tactical. But look at the race shape. There's speed. There's a fair amount of it. And as we know, Clarier can capitalize when given that setup. I'm drawing a line through the personal ensign. I can forgive that race with everything that's gone on, especially given the recent workouts at Keeneland. You look at those five furlong works in mid-October. I think Steve Asmussen has her right where he wants her to be. Joel Rosario sees fit to ride back. The faster they go early, the better her chances figure to be.
0: She'll be on all of my tickets. Clarier, major player in here as we move to the number five, so right next door, we go to Awake at Midnight. She comes in from Southern California and DZ. She had a nice um, she had a nice victory on September the 4th, which was her first start back in a few months. She didn't run well in the eight bells. This is just a really tough spot for her. I mean, her last effort was okay. It was the second in the Zenyatta, but the filly who beat her Midnight Memories, I don't even know how good she really is. She doesn't show up in here. She just feels like in a race where... She, you know, there are seven others in here. I think she is the eighth most likely winner of this race.
1: I mean, the fact that the last place finisher from the Zenyatta came back to win a stake going six furlongs at Zia Park doesn't sell it for you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> key race, key
0: race, baby. i I'm awake. I, let me say, I liked her in her last spot. I on she was in a good spot and she got bet a little bit. But she was kind of in between horses. She didn't get a great trip. If she's yeah. not winning that race in the Zenyatta, and it was like a second off the bench prep, really good spot for her to win in under two to one, she's not winning a race like this, you know, Listen, against this it, kind of
1: quality. Here's all you need to know, and and I wanted to make sure that I miss anything with the winner of that the Zenyatta Midnight Memories because uh, she is still uh, she is still working. Uh, she had a workout on October the twenty fourth. She was not pre entered, um, you know, for these races so you know it's not as if um bob baffert and mike pegram had a winner of a breeders cup prep race in southern california and they didn't send the horse to the breeders cup yeah. so yeah and this philly ran second to her um talk about a two by four horse if this race wins it's a different if, if this horse wins it's a different kind. It's a four of two by horse. two <laughs> it, 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 it's, a, it's a two by four where you look at this and go what the hell am i betting these races for this philly could not possibly win this race um there's be, so little on paper for
0: you yeah, to be able to make a case for her in what she's done against a group like this.
1: You you I mean, I'm not even kidding you, would be one of the most shocking upsets out of uh, and I'm not just saying like, you know, if she won. I'm saying in relation to all the other horses and all the other races on this card, would be one of the most unlikely winners of the day by far.
0: Very much agree. Andrew Champagne, awake at midnight
2: the one thing that I will say about her is she's going to go early. Her being in this field is great news for Malafat and Clarier because she's going to go early. Search results is going to go early and we know society is going to break like a shot. She is going to contribute to what seems like a very fast pace and it seems like she's entered so that J. Paul Redham can get the thrill of awake at midnight, leading after a quarter of a mile in the Breeders' Cup (laughs) distep. Now look, Mr. Redham is worth approximately $11. If this is how he likes getting his thrills, more power to you, good sir. I appreciate you being a, a sportsman and running your horse here, and in a sense acting as a takeout reducer for the rest of the field. But I am with Darren on this. I can't find anything Any scenario, anything about this race that makes Awake at Midnight even plausible here?
1: Uh, I'll I'll actually slightly counter what Andrew said. For a a a filly like her, who's technically a Southern California filly, I actually don't think she's that quick. I I think I think her race lines lead you to believe that Um, when you're on the lead in 24 and 48 and one, going a mile in the sixteenth at Santa Anita. When she went to the 8 Bells, she didn't sniff the front pack. She the didn't race to the 2 front. back
2: was pretty quick, though. I'll say that.
1: It, it, it was. Yeah, it was at Delmar. But when she ran in the Ashland, you know, she was third, two lengths off of 24-1, and 48-4 pace. They may just, uh, listen, they may decide that the gate opens and they're just full-blown send. I mean, you could do that with almost any horse. But on paper... I think nest search results and society are all quicker than they're out of the gate. They should be for sure. I'm
2: just saying that's the one thing in which they'll have be a factor and, at all. And that's why I think they send.
0: Yeah. Cause she, she can't be in this. Like the others are, are probably naturally faster. I think you're right. DZ, but she can't be in this race for any other reason. Then I'm, I'm first or second early. Here I'm either in front or sitting behind Because I, I don't think she can get in front of society Personally I think she probably sits Second behind society In here and um, Maybe can try to fall into a, a Decent spot but she Is really up against it In here with the morning line favorite nest Drawn right next door she's nine to five On the morning line and nest Was your Belmont runner up she was your Runner up in the Kentucky Oaks And uh, and then since then she's won Three consecutive races Powerfully she won the CCA Oaks at a mile and an eighth By 12 plus lengths she beat Secret Oath there she came back She beat Secret Oath again in the Alabama Going a mile and a quarter beat her by Four plus lengths and then in the Beldame paid workout just Sitting off winning by nine and three Quarters against horses that she's way Way more talented than she Has really improved And stepped forward and just Compare her and like her speed figures DZ to Secret Oath they were right on par with each other back in May Right around Kentucky Oaks time They were both very similar looking fillies on paper As far as speed figures are concerned And Nest has just shown improvement Over the last couple months That you know, a filly like Secret Oath has not And she's quick too Now she's getting quicker and quicker Even this is a, a super talented filly
1: yeah, It's funny that Andrew said he would like uh, Secret Oath better if the race was a mile and a quarter if this race was a mile and a quarter, nobody beats Nest. Uh, the longer yeah. the race goes, the longer the race goes, the, the better it is for her.
2: Oh, I just think Secret yeah. Oath has a chance to run second or third if it goes a mile and a quarter. That's all.
1: Yeah. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm just adding to that point that if this race were a mile and a quarter, it would it would also move forward. It would move Nest forward a great deal as well. Um, look, she's coming off of a visually impressive win in the Belding by a, an expanding margin. That might have been the worst field behind nest in the history of the Beldame. It was awful for a grade two stakes race. That's a Breeders' Cup prep. Now, let's put that into perspective. Against older horses, she beat low-level stakes horses right now at this point in their career, one of which might even be nothing more than an allowance horse. In the Alabama, she beat a regressing secret oath. In the CCA Oaks, she beat a regressing secret oath. She's never run against horses like Malathat No Or Clariere at their best Well,
0: it kind of reminds me of Flightline You know, what he's going to be dealing with In that she's going to face maybe three horses in this race That might be better than any horse she's ever faced individually in her life
3: Of of the the Phillies The the the
0: Belmont
1: Yeah, the difference being Flightline Yeah yeah. The difference being Flightline has run supersonic speed figures Where this Philly just kind of fits in the race with her Mm -hmm. speed figure. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, her his speed figures tower. Yeah, um, but in that sense, she is going to deal with probably if we were marking up of all of the fillies and mares she's faced in her career, if we were going to list the best of them, Secret Oath was was the best yeah. horse that she beat,
1: and she's going to face three three horses better than her in this race at least. Yeah, exactly. Now listen, I, I it's funny because when we did the Kentucky Oaks preview, um, uh, Andrew did not like Nest at all and i love nest and he like he loved secret oath that day and mm-hmm. the funny thing was he was right about secret oath that day and i was right about nest long term <laughs> in the long term yeah <laughs>
2: I- i'm actually going to correct this i love echo zulu that day echo zulu was That's my true. single i like secret true. oath a little bit underneath but guys i appreciate you trying to give me credit retroactively <laughs> because looking at go. the past performances going into that race how was secret oath 4 to 1
1: yeah no, it, it, it's a good point. It, re, it really is. I, and I don't know the answer. And by the way, I'm glad you raised that point because we're going to have a similar situation here. Nest is going to be favored and a strong favorite probably at that. And this could be a situation where we go back and we look at this race after the result and we say, how did Malathat go off three to one there?
0: Yeah, I mean I think I'm I'm thinking if both both of that with both Malafat and Clarier of like yeah. if they're in the seven to two range and I'm thinking that Clarier is like seven to two, four to one off of the one clunker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, if you ask me what's the most likely result of this race, I would say in one version or another, it's Malafat and Clarier running one two. I, I really I think I agree. I think yeah. I do too. Yeah. I, I, I really I, I think that's the most I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm saying if you ask me what's the most likely result percentage-wise, they run 1-2. I think Nest, listen, I love her. She's had a long campaign. She's run a mile and a half. She's run a mile and a quarter. She is not proven against this level of competition. I'm not saying she can't win. I'm not saying she can't stamp herself a super filly come Saturday. I'm saying at the price she's going to be, you can't accept the odds when there's other value elsewhere.
2: All right, I'm going to do it again here. Darren, I expect you to pick up the slack. As the great Harvey Pack made a career <laughs> of saying, never bet a horse as the favorite, doing something for the first time. Nest has faced older horses they weren't good. Can we have a moment of silence in memory of the Beldame? Every anyone else remember when that race used to be oh, one man. of the better races we would ever see all year long? I remember the Princess of Silmar Royal Delta Bell Dame <laughs> with was, Tom Durkin's call saying <laughs> it took a champion to defeat a champion. I yep. remember it reminds that me, race.
0: It, Craig Milkowski had a tweet that somebody somebody on one of the. It was just like a, a thread tweet that people ask what was the worst starting lineup that you can remember and craig milkowski put the <laughs> 2022 <laughs> Vosberg. it just oh. sort of reminded me of this right because yeah, like that's yeah. another one of those races where you're like yeah. damn that race used to be good and i, I feel like this about about this yep. one right? At, le- at least you had nest but the also rans behind or just <laughs> now
2: in-, in fairness if it sounds like we're blaming naira at the very least i'm not I'm not blaming horsemen. I am blaming the breeding industry for spitting out horses that can't run in these traditional prep races along with the breeders cup races. I think that's a gigantic problem. And I think that's starting to bite the industry in the rear end. Now, can you imagine if
1: nest had run in the cotillion, what that field would have looked like? Oh my oh, god. <laughs> like, oh, like would like would first to act be in the Readers' Cup
2: distance. I know. Like, no, you're you're right. <laughs> my goodness. Or or if they or if they shipped her to the spinster and had her run against Malafat. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. it's it's one of those things where when you look at Nest, if you were to look at this race without morning line odds, you would say, okay, Nest should probably be three to one or so. She's not going to be anywhere close to that. And based on figures, that makes her an underlay in here. I was prepared to take the bold stance of, hey, look at me. Look at me. I'm tossing nest. I'm going against nest and everything. And then Darren beat me to it. If Nest wins, I lose. And that's not saying that I don't like Nest as a racehorse. I think she's shown a lot of talent. I think she's been campaigned in an incredibly sporting fashion, running second in the Belmont behind Mo Donegal, who was very, very, very good. That's not an easy thing to do. Nest is a very good horse, but she's going to be bet like she's a great horse, and that's misleading that's where astute horse players could benefit from taking stands. And you look and you're going to see Malafat at three to one. You'll see Clarier at four to one, nine to two. You'll see search results at what? Five to one, six to one. All of those are at those more prices appealing are, betting propositions. Completely
0: yes. agree. Yep. Absolutely agree with you on that. And this is the next horse we're going to talk, I truly Truly, I feel bad for search results I really do yeah, In no, in watching too. her races this year Honestly, there were twice It looked like she did every possible thing she could have done To Run win the in, the, yep. in the FIPS And then again in the personal incident They were like mirror images of each other She yep. took it right to Latruska She put away Latruska She had to stay close enough to Latruska Because you, you don't want to let Latruska get away So she's got to be the horse doing sort of the dirty work And making her work hard And then she puts away Latruska She opens up in the fips She opens up like four lengths And the two horses just start building up their momentum And Clarier and Malathot go by her She goes over to Monmouth and the Molly Pictor She crushes a group that she's just much better than And then she tries to step up with the big gals again In the personal ensign going a mile and an eighth Same exact thing she puts away the speed she gets the jump and she just can't hold off Malathat DZ I mean she you can't really ride her any better than Pratt did in in the Personal Ensign or then Irad did in the Ogden Phipps he they did everything they could to give this filly the chance to win she may just run into a couple fillies that maybe is the tab better than her
1: yeah i said before that if the race was a mile and a quarter they wouldn't beat Nest if the race was a mile or a mile and a 16th, they probably don't beat search results. You're right. Um, she The mile and an eighth is just painfully a little bit too far for her. And it's a shame. Um, and I know that you look back and say, what do you mean, Darren? She got beaten in the Fips going a mile and a 16th. Yeah. Watch that race and tell me what business she had being within a zip code Hanging of around. Larry Aaron Malathat at the wire. You want to talk about You know running bravely in defeat forget about running bravely in defeat search results is third place finish in the Ogden Phipps is one of the best third place finishes you will ever see on a racetrack Uh, she came out of that destroyed the field in the Molly pitcher beat army wife that day who came back to run second to Malathat in the spinster and then in the personal engine she chased Latruska around the track she took the lead from her at the quarter pole. And if you would have given me two to five odds on search results at the three sixteens poll, I would have taken it. I thought I she was long. Gone. Me too. Me too. And somehow she just gets collared by that. And listen, I have the utmost respect for this Philly. Like you said, I feel bad for her as well. But after watching the personal ends in, I look at this race and how the race is going to be society to her outside Maybe she sits second or third offer and works out a relatively good trip, but how does she beat Mal that? How I is it any know. different? That's that's the yeah. problem. It was as perfect as she could have scripted up basically twice. You know, she's the she's the kind of filly where you know I'm I have so much respect for her that I think on any given day she can jump up and win. And because I agree. Of that, and because of that, I'll probably include her against my better I think judgment so too. Because she's going to be five, six to one, I think, in the race. She's not it's gonna, like the it's respect like that I have. A, yeah. It's not like using Ness defensively at eight to five. No. It's, this is no. different. It's using a horse at six to one that has a chance to win the race if thing, everything went perfectly. But at the same time, if she won and it did knock me out of things, she's the type of Philly where I would say, you know what? Good for her. I'm me glad too. She got one. Yeah. She, because, gosh, it's. We were both hitting it,
0: Andrew I can't play it out in my head Any different or any more perfectly Than it's played out for her a couple times And she couldn't seal the deal then But damn, like Is there a version of this race where We could see Malathot or Claire Getting into a little bit of traffic trouble And maybe search results does Just kind of stalk and pounce and some of those horses Closing can't quite close Sure, you play simulations out in your head There are versions of this race where she can win But man it's a tough spot for her. And, and like Darren said that the distance just seems like a mile would be so nice for her. She
2: is six for 11 of the five losses. Three of those races were won by either Malafat or Clary The other two were right before and right after that very long layoff. She had from mid 2021 until April of 2022. So you can excuse both of those races. She's a really nice Philly and I'll go a step further if this veers breeders cup was at Belmont where the mile and an eighth is one turn, I would like her significantly more. I just think she's a one turn horse. Having said that there is a version of this race where she could step up and turn the tables. It would take society clearing and then bouncing. And I don't think that's entirely improbable given what we've seen from society, the last couple of starts. And if that happens, search results is sitting in the catbird seat and she's the one they have to catch turning for home at Keeneland, which is traditionally played not speed favoring, not speed biased, but being near the front's not a bad place to be going two turns over that main track. She's a B for me. I have her third. I'll have her on a couple of tickets. And it's a case where if she comes down and is three to one, seven to two, I can't play her. But I don't think she's going to come down. I think she's going to be six to one, seven to one. And if you want to take a shot, I think that's fair.
0: We round out the field with Society. She's six to one on the morning line. Number eight, Society has won five of her six career starts. Her lone defeat came against Nest and Secret Oath. When she was in the CCA Oaks And she took a few kind of tough steps It looks like she was almost sunken in the ground For her first couple steps her, And her rival to her inside stumbled badly And Society rushed up into some traffic On the heels of and then shot through I mean she had no shot with that trip Against the more talented Phillies Now I don't know if she has a shot Against a group like this With a better trip but she's fast DZ it's you know, she's one of those fillies where she can get out front. She can clear. Do you think she can clear a field like this? Do you think she can dictate the race in here? How good is society?
1: I, I think she can. I think she is very, very quick out of the gate. Uh, you can completely draw a line uh, through the coaching club of America Oaks, where she had a disastrous beginning that cost her all chance in the race. I'm, I'm serious. Just pretend like that race doesn't exist. It means absolutely nothing in your analysis of her chances to win this race. In fact, Believe it or not, I bet her in that race because I thought she had a chance to take that field wire to wire and two strides out of the gate, her race was over. She's shown the quality that she is the last two starts in terms of how much early speed that she has. And like we said with search results, that there's a version of the race that she wins, there is a version of this race where society wins. If she shakes free on the front end and she opens up daylight on the far turn and you know, Nest or Malafat and Clarier get in any kind of a logjam where they got to make up significant ground on this Philly, who has proven already that you get her on an open lead, she gets brave, she can wire the field. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying she's my top selection, but this is an an absolute chance that this Philly, in a certain circumstance, could wire this field if things break right. She's going to be a decent enough price where you can include her in your multi-race exotics. You really don't want to be left after the Breeders' Cup Distaff live and pick fours and pick fives and watch this filly go in a wire-to-wire tour. The Open up two right off the bat jet. and you're just done. And, you, and, you're, and you're watching that race pulling the hair out of your head going, how did I not include this horse? We've seen it happen before in Breeders' Cup races, whether it be Bayern in the Classic or One Dreamer in the Distaff. It has happened before. She is enough quality where if things break, right, it can happen here. Okay. Andrew, I, mean, I have, go ahead. No, go ahead, I was going to
2: say, Darren, you mentioned Bayern. It's time to revisit one of the all time great quotes in the history of horse racing journalism. Hey, Joe Talamo, what'd you see out of the gate? Shared beliefs sideways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, you know, I just that. that no, was, no. It, too topical, too topical. Please Um,
0: please yeah it's uh
2: Are are we in agreement here That either society Runs away and hides or Is sixth beaten about 20 I don't feel I feel like there's no Mm -hmm. middle ground There
0: yeah (laughs) and for and for That reason I think she's a, a Hard horse like Darren was saying to leave Out of a pick four or a pick five At five or six to one because I don't think she's the most Talented horse in this field but Again playing it out in our Simulations there are definite versions of this race where maybe the rest of the field is more concerned about each other, right? You have, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. She's gonna come back to us, guys. We're on the yeah. better older Phillies and Mares. She's not let her go. Let her Let's go. Let's sit she off of Nest. And yeah.
0: We'll wait till Nest makes her move and we'll try yeah. to move. You know, if you're Claria or Malathot, we'll try to move yep. with them with Nest yep. and go by her or one of the I can't leave her out because of that, because I can absolutely see that. And and just like you said, DZ, if it happens, I'm gonna go dude, this was the lone speed and we we kind of talked it out. So she's probably like my third choice in here or like a third use for me, but she's going to be on a lot of my tickets and pick fours and pick fives and stuff like that.
2: I mean, my thinking is I don't think she's going to be true lone speed. I think blue stripe is at least going to provide some token resistance. I think awake at midnight is going to go and I don't think search results is going to be too far off of it. Do I think society is quicker than those horses out of the gate? Maybe so. Will I be surprised if society gets the lead? No, but it's a little different holding off those horses with three-eighths of a mile to go than Florent Giroux looking around, turning for home in the cotillion, and he's six lengths in front with absolutely nobody gaining ground over a very quirky park surface that came after she romped against a weak field over a very quirky Charlestown surface I'm against her in this spot I understand what you guys are saying but I'm okay with it I think she's gonna have to go really fast early and I think that'll set things up for the closers to come pick up the pieces I think she's a very nice horse I read a Latruska comparison the other day that I really, really like. I think they run the exact same way. They go very fast for as long as they can. And hopefully society winds up having a very good four-year-old campaign. And by the way, before we go much further, can't we as a society agree that everybody should just send all of their mayors to Gunrunner and we'd all be much better off?
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. Absolutely. Um yeah, putting a putting a little bow on it, DZ. I think for me in the distaff, on the bulk of my tickets, I'll probably have Malathot, Clarier and Society. Those three. I, I I think I slightly lean towards Clarier, and if she was like four to one, I think that's a, a playable price on the win end. It'll likely be those three on the bulk of my tickets there. And like you were saying, if you're in a situation where you think Nest is the third or fourth most likely winner in this race, don't you're not, and, and the only way you would want to use her is if you absolutely love a bunch of bombs in the sequence all the way around. You love a twenty-five to one shot somewhere, and you just want to get through this race. But that is not a long-term play for success. If you like a couple horses that are better than her, I like Malathot and Clarier better. I'm going to use those two and everything. Society on most tickets. Give us a, a little uh, finishing thought on the uh, on the distaff, easy.
1: Yeah, this is a very clear race for me and how I play it uh, When it comes to the multi-race exotics Malathat and Clarier are A lines I have no B line My C line is search results in society Where I have a heavy lean on the two horses that I think Are by far the most likely winners of the race And then I have a ticket with the two horses That I do see a path to victory If things broke a certain way and I am fading a favorite who I don't think will offer the value that, that should be reflected in her price. It's really cut and dry for me. Malafat or Clariere, get the lion's share of the money to funnel through my tickets. Backup Saver with Search Results Society. Call it a day. Andrew, put a bow on the uh, the distaff for us.
2: Darren and I see it very similarly. Malafat and Clarier are my two A's as well. Search results for me is a B just in case she falls into that perfect stalking trip, which I think she may well get. She does need everything to go right. But again, I think you're going to get some value out of that one that maybe shouldn't be there. When you look at the results that she's had over the course of her career and how she's not that far behind the likes of Malafat and Clary air one and four are the A's seven is my lone B much like Darren Zocali, I respect nest. She's the champion three-year-old Philly. Gonna try to beat her,
0: DZ. You're making the trip out to Keeneland for the Breeders' Cup in the next few days. Talk to us about what kind of content we can find from you and uh, and all the good stuff over at Twin Spires.
1: Yeah, um, obviously, I'll be putting out a lot of stuff uh, through Twitter with regards to the uh, to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, hosting a dinner for for Twin Spires and, and Churchill on Thursday night out in Lexington at the Campbell House that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I'll be on track Friday and Saturday. Um, I believe they will be utilizing me in some type of a video content, social media role. I kind of said to them, I'm coming out for this dinner, so I'll be at the track. Feel free to utilize me in any way you want. So uh, we'll see exactly what they, uh, what they asked me to do, but I would expect to see myself probably popping up, uh, through the twin Spires social media accounts on Friday and Saturday. Uh, and obviously I will be putting out my thoughts, my selections uh, throughout both days as well. So, uh, it's uh, kind of the, listen, I love Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby is the most fun race, single race to talk about. But Breeders' Cup week for me is where it's at when you get to go through all these races. That was like
0: a great tease, huh, Andrew? I, I heard it him was. and then he and then he went away right at the very end after he got all the good stuff out. But yes. I think I was. What oh, happened? You lost me again? You, yeah, you, you said, but the Breeders' Cup for me is the, but I was, I was agreeing with you as a. Oh, I, I, it's the breeders, different than I was Derby, right? Say
3: the,
1: the, Breed, the Breeders' Cup for me is, is like Christmas morning because. You get all of these different uh, races where you only have to be right a couple of times to make a significant amount of money. And handicapping all these races and doing the work is really such a treat. It's exhausting. It's fun though. But it's it so is. much fun. It's so. We wouldn't much fun. be we wouldn't be here talking about the races for an
0: hour each race if, if we didn't love the process of, of what it takes to get here. Andrew, I know you're going to have a lot of stuff this week. Talk to us about uh, where we can find that that great content and uh, and what you have happening at AndrewChampagne.com.
2: Sure. Uh, everything will be up on that website, Andrew I'll have links to everything. I'll be writing a lot of stuff up. I will be hosting the new drank and champagne podcast on the, on the wrong lead network. Uh, Josh Rodriguez and I put a lot of work into that pretty much right after we get done recording this one. So, uh, that'll be a good time. Uh, I agree with Darren on a lot of that Friday and Saturday it's Christmas morning for horse players. The one thing that I will reiterate is don't lose sight of good bankroll management. There are a lot of great gambling opportunities out there. Yes. You only need to be right a couple of times in order to have a big, big weekend, but don't chase stuff. If it's not there, if you're looking at multi-race sequences and you feel like you have to go six, seven, eight deep, You probably want to pass the race. Don't abscond with the logic that got you to where you're a successful horse player, just because it's the Breeders' Cup. Manage your bankroll effectively, take your stands, and if you're right, enjoy yourself.
0: Fellas, I always love chatting with you It's uh, such a a blast We talk some wrestling, we talk sports We talk everything going on in the world of horse racing And I really enjoy when we get to uh, Dive into a field like this And go horse by horse And pick each other's brains And maybe lead each other to a thought or two that, uh, That one of the others didn't have it's always great talking races with some of your best buds. And it's been a couple years now where we've had a lot of conversations on these podcasts. So DZ, I, I can't thank you enough. I know you're super busy. You got your family and everything going on there. Andrew, I know you've got new work started and you've got a new uh, content starting and podcasts out there too. So thanks so much, fellas. DZ will be following along with you all weekend. Good luck and have fun over there. And Andrew, same to you. Good luck. Cash all your tickets. And thanks so much to everyone for hanging out with us here. But don't go anywhere. Content is not done. We still have more on this episode of That's What G Said. Big thank you to Andrew and DZ for helping us out with two races. Again, this year, great analysis and info from them as always. Before we dive on into the Breeders' Cup turf, I want to remind everybody about Stable Duel and the daily horse racing contest you can play at StableDuel.com or download the app for free anywhere you get your apps. And all you have to do is... Play into, pay the entries into the the games that you want to play. You can play into free games there. Win money every single day. There are Stable Duel games. This week, Delaware, Woodbine, and Charlestown have games on Thursday. Friday, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, and Penn National. Saturday has Gulfstream and Santa Anita. Sunday, Gulfstream, Laurel, and Santa Anita. Get those entries in and play, race, win over at Stable Duel. Breeders' Cup Turf Time. Caitlin Free joins us. Caitlin's been doing a fantastic job over the last year on uh, the broadcast at Churchill. We saw her at Turfway Park prior to that. And she really knows... Grass racing well and international racing very, very well. She has a good gauge for a lot of these horses that maybe you may not have a ton of information on because you probably don't watch them all that much. If you fit someone like that, because I know I do. Uh, When it comes to the international races, I have to do a lot of work come Breeders' Cup time because I don't really know these horses all that well. I'm not as familiar as I would be with the horses that are running in the US all the time. So, Caitlin helps us out so much here. Caitlin Free talking Breeders' Cup Turf. We continue along the Breeders' Cup Saturday, and now we're up to the big ones. It's race number 10. It's the Breeders' Cup Turf. And I figured uh, one of our friends who's helped us out on this show is an excellent handicapper. And she's really, really good when it comes to international races. She knows a lot of these horses very well. And I think one of her own personal favorites is actually running in this race. So Caitlin Free joins us. Uh, Those of you who know Caitlin from this show before, you've probably seen Caitlin doing stuff at Churchill Downs or Turfway or different racetracks over the last year where she's really, really done a fantastic job on the broadcast, giving out selections, doing reports stuff, and she's going to help us out today. Talk some Breeders' Cup. Caitlin Free, how you doing?
5: I'm good. How are you, Gino? It is a pleasure to be back and I mean, this is obviously a race that I'm always really looking forward to. Um, didn't come up as strong. I was hoping as it would this year, but it's still a really great race that I'm just really excited about, especially with some of the horses that we have coming from overseas in this race.
0: So you and I are talking on Wednesday morning, tell everybody what the the week is like for you. Like what kind of content will you have out there? Where will you be? Where can we find, uh, find you this week?
5: Oh, it's been hectic. I've done a lot of stuff already. I've, Basically, almost already handicapped the whole Saturday card. I kind of did it in reverse, and I'm still trying to figure out the juvenile races a little bit. I've found them a little to be a little bit tougher, um, especially the juvenile turf and the juvenile Phillies turf. But I am going to be heading down to Kentucky in a few hours. I will be at Churchill on Thursday and Sunday, bookending the Breeders' Cup, and then I will be at the Breeders' Cup,
0: which is on- kind of cool. Do you yeah. so? I was talking to Scott Shapiro a little bit about this. Like, are you having, are you doing anything work-wise that day? Or do you get to kind of take it in as a fan?
5: Kind of both. I'll be doing a little bit of, of things with the road to the Kentucky Derby on Friday, of course, with the juvenile races. So that will be a little bit more busy, but I'll still get to enjoy it. And then Saturday is just kind of like my day to really take it all in. It's been a while since I've been to a Breeders' Cup. It's been since 2019. And I was sitting here thinking, you know, that's been like three years. But then I remember it's also been that long for pretty much everybody else. Yeah, because,
0: the pandemic and stuff. Yeah. yeah,
5: nobody else has been able to go either. So I don't know why I think I'm special. But <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I haven't been to a Breeders' Cup in so long that I remember like, right, neither is anybody else. So
0: so this will be fun. And uh, yeah, most a lot of people that I'm talking with are, are making the trip on out there. So that's awesome. Yeah. It seems like it, you get a chance to do some work and share your opinion. But then on Saturday, you can kick back a little bit, but you're not far away because... Churchill is still pretty close. It was kind of unique. It's normally not like this where the Breeders' Cup is running, but not at Churchill. So it'll be kind of a different experience for you.
5: Yeah, it will be. When I worked at Churchill last year, we were running on top of the Breeders' Cup. So it was Mm -hmm. really, really hectic. I was handicapping not only the Churchill Downs races, then in between races, we were running Breeders' Cup races that Mm -hmm. I had to talk about. So it made it for a really full day. I didn't really get to take as much in as I wanted to that I usually do at the Derby because we were so busy. So... I'm really going to be excited. It's definitely a unique experience with the tracks running, you know, concurrently it sets up for, I don't know, just something cool. And I'm hoping that people the day before the Breeders cup and the day after the Breeders cup will hopefully come out and enjoy Churchill as well. I mean, it's only like an hour away. (laughs) You're
0: in the area. Might (laughs) as well go on out there and say hello to Caitlin too. uh, And, uh, and yeah, if you, here's the key, right? If on Saturday you made a ton of money, Well, now you've got a bunch. So you go out to Churchill and you've got a big bankroll. If you need to make up some money from the weekend, well, then you go to Churchill on Sunday and you can try to make it up. So either way, exactly. either (laughs) way, you go out and visit Caitlin on, uh, on Sunday. Uh, Let's visit the Breeders' Cup turf, which is race number 10. And one of the major, um, one of the major storylines about this race is that a major player in here, Warlike Goddess, decided to choose this race and not the Philly and Mere turf probably a little better for her with the mile and a half here with the distance. And she's only nine to two on the morning line. Like you said, this did not come up all that strong. So she actually feels like she is a a kind of a top contender in here.
5: I think she's probably going to go off favored, especially, you know, with the American money that's going to be coming in here being, you know, the core of all that. I really think she's going to go off favored. And I like her chances in here a lot. I remember over the summer, I don't remember which race it was that she won. Um, I wanna say it was in July or August when she won a race at uh, either, I think it was Belmont. Um, I just kept thinking, you know, please don't send her to the Philly Meritor if it's too short. She came up short last year. I think she's a much better horse this year as well. And I've been hoping for the past couple of years that they would send her to this race And I think it came up really, really well for her chances. I don't mind the draw in post-position number two. I don't think the draw really matters because this race is so long. Um, And, you know, at Keeneland, it doesn't really – I don't think it really starts on a weird place necessarily on the track. I think the mile and maybe the uh, juvenile turf races could possibly start a little bit on the turn. But I think this one is going to be pretty fair. So I wasn't concerned about the draw for anyone. But I, I think she's got a very strong chance in this race. I can't hear you. Did you mute your mic?
0: There we go. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say I was muted for a second. It's almost like the first time I've done one of these, Caitlin, right? I mean, like I remember my first beer. But uh, let's talk about the Euros now and and Rebels Romance, who is one of the top uh, uh, Euros that's going to be shipping in. He's had a very intriguing career because Mm -hmm. he was your UAE Derby winner on the dirt back in 2021. Then he was off for a long time. He showed back up at the beginning of this year and he just threw in a couple clunkers on the dirt going long. They gave him a few months off and they transitioned to the turf and he's been undefeated on the turf. He went over to Germany and won a couple of group ones. So where does he stack up? I mean, overall talented wise, he's got a ton of talent. Like how do those races stack up with the competition here?
5: He does have a ton of talent and I think lucky for him as well as his stable main nations pride. This isn't the strongest renewal of the turf. Um, one thing I do have some questions with is the German form usually doesn't translate very well to this race, but mm-hmm. as I said, this is.
0: It's not, not as strong. Exactly. It's hard to use other years as like a measuring stick because it's not quite as deep.
5: Exactly. It, w- it wouldn't be fair to use that as a measuring stick. Um, but the he, a lot of the top German contenders that have run in these races, you know, Torquedo Tasso, Alpinista, they were doing other things in other countries so he was left, you know, to kind of win all of these German races, win, you know, winning your end races. I think the grasier Priest for in Berlin is a Breeders' Cup winning your end, if I'm not mistaken. So he was able to win these races without these top contenders being around. They're not here in this Breeders' Cup race. So this could be the type of race that he could very easily steal. I know Charlie Appleby wouldn't bring a horse over unless he was confident about his chances. He has two in this race. So, I mean, let them go and discount them at your own risk. But I I mean, there's other horses that I do like in here, but there are very real scenarios where this horse wins this race. I just question, you know, the, uh, the type of competition he has been. how good that German form is going to hold up.
0: Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I feel with him. Like he's got loads of ability, but this is, this feels like this is going to be the toughest test for him. Even in a race that's still not as strong. There are probably a couple horses in here that might be better than anyone he's faced yet. Right.
5: Oh, without a doubt. That's definitely where I'm coming from in this race. And interestingly enough, I believe James Doyle gets back on board. Uh, Will Buick has been on him for most of his career. Um, James Doyle is going to hop back up. Charlie Appleby actually said that I think he wants uh, William on Nation's Pride because Nation's Pride is a little bit younger and a little bit more experienced. And it just kind of sounds like he thinks that, you know, William's got kind of a better feel for that horse with the horse being a little bit more mature. I think he wants him on that horse instead
0: who we're talking about now, Nation's Pride. He's sat a couple of really nice trips in his last few races. He came over after the Epsom Derby. Um, he finished second in the Belmont Derby. Probably should have won that race too. Had a really wide trip coming from way, way out of it. And uh, and then he wins the Saratoga Derby and the uh, the Jockey Club Derby Invitational. And they were like the same exact race. He sat right on the inside, perfectly behind horses, angled out, and just got pretty easy wins. the The most recent one was, a more powerful win. And I think the group he faced was a little bit softer. Talk to us about nation's pride. He is, he's going to go off as, as one of the favorites in here, probably in the three, four to one range.
5: I, I think I prefer him a little bit more over his stable I think he's got a little bit better form. Um, he's a little bit more fresh. I would say he's been running over here in the United States. And I think Charlie has left him over here. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't really had as much traveling under his belt, which I definitely like. He gets William Buick back. I think they're great together. Frankie Dettori's rode him phenomenally as well, but he's on board another horse we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, I also kind of struggle with this horse's form. Annapolis, of course, flattered it winning in grade one. Uh, next time out at Keeneland against older horses, Classic Causeway is a very good horse. Um and then a little bit farther back in his races, when they won the New Market Stakes over Hu who you came back to run second in the Epsom Derby. So I like his form a little bit better than Rebels Romance's form, but I still think this is absolutely going to be the toughest test that he's going to face in his career. And it's really hard for three year olds to win the Breeders' Cup turf. He usually goes to a more seasoned older horse. So he's going to have to be much the best in this race, but I think I do prefer him a little bit more to Rebels Romance because I think the form's a little bit stronger and he has, you know, that experience under his belt here in the United States. Mm. So he's got the a- U
0: S form, the tactical speed. Like I agree with you. And it's funny because I I sort of feel the same. Like most years, I don't think his form would be a horse that we're talking about as like a top contender no. in this race, you know, as like a top three betting choice. But so that's, what's hard is that you initially look and you go, ah, you know, that's probably not good enough to win the breeders cup turf, but then you start going horse by horse and comparing him to them. and he is probably right in the mix as a top contender in here.
5: I think he is. Cause you know, this is a race. Usually like we both have said, it's usually a little bit stronger. He's going to get a little bit of a weight break uh, being a three-year-old. So I think that's going to help him as well. And of course, Charlie Appleby, you know, discount at your own risk. He comes here to win these races, He's not coming here, just to a in Kentucky. Yeah. He tears it up everywhere in North America. So I wouldn't discount these horses, but I don't, Love their form coming in here. This is definitely going to be the toughest test by far each of them has ever faced. But as we said, this is not the strongest renewal of this race. So that makes them legitimate horses in this race and legitimate top contenders.
0: Let's get to a really, really cool horse that I'm Mm -hmm. I'm, win or lose. I'm really glad he showed up here. And Mm -hmm. that's uh, Mish Mishrif. I know one that you've been a fan of for a while, kind of hard not to be a fan of a horse like this, who has been in so many big fights through the years um, at the beginning of, of last year, at 2021, he had a little back-to-back stretch where he wins the uh, the Grade 1, Group 1 Saudi Cup, and then he comes back and wins the Dubai Shima Classic going a mile and a half on the turf. So you go a mile and an eighth on the dirt, and then you go a mile and a half on the turf beating some of the best horses in the world. In the Dubai Shima Classic, he defeated Loves Only You, who we saw come and win the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf last year. in. You know, his form is not quite as strong as it may have been in early 2021. But if you look at just, you know, some of his his races two and three back, like in the Champion and in the Judd Ma International, while he wasn't right there on the wire, he was losing to nice, nice horses that would be odds on and tower over a field like this.
5: Exactly. That's why I really, really like him in this race. He's adding the blinkers, which... I find interesting. I'm not sure if he's ever even ran with Blinkers in his career. I have to look down. It's hard to tell a little bit with, um,
0: the, the internationals. Uniform. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Because oftentimes it doesn't shut. I can't remember him running with Blinkers. Um, if he has, it's been a long time since he's ran with them. So I think that's interesting. I really, really love that Frankie Dettori gets back on board this horse. I love that him and John Gosden are back and working together after a little blip in what's going on, but I just, I love this horse. The arc didn't work out last time because the track was so, so soft. This horse wants a firm course. He wants a good, defer- form- firm course. So he's really going to get that at Keeneland. I'm really glad they brought him because I think the conditions are right for him. I think this race turned up in his favor with it not being as strong because, as you said, you know the horses he's gotten beat by this year are Baid, Um, Vizzini, Alpinista, they're not in this race. And if they were in this race, I mean, they would absolutely just.
0: Maybe even money, honestly. Like,
5: Yeah, or th- less.
0: And so. he, so, because cause, cause it, at first glance, you know, you look at his form and you go, yeah, he's kind of tailed off form. He's not, he's not the same that he was about a year ago. And that may be the case. Like maybe a year ago, he was an A and maybe he's like a B plus right now uh, in comparison, but that B plus is still like against a bunch of other like B minuses and like C pluses, you know, he's still in pretty nice form. I think if you can just put a line through the arc last time out and just say, you know, like he never got in. It was just a little bit too far out of it. And he just sort of looked like they eased up on him. It may have been the the course too. It was really, really soft. Like it may have just been one. He wasn't getting over all that. Well, I think there were excuses there. And if you can just excuse that last effort, all of a sudden the rest of his year, makes a lot more sense
5: it does and I can very easily excuse the arc because the arc is always incredibly soft it's hard for horses to come back into this race out of the arc after a good performance in the arc and do well in this race because it takes so much out of them because the ground is softer so a lot of times horses that you know kind of finish mid pack or toward the back in the arc usually come back and do very well in this race aside from you know a found or an enabled that can kind of run on either surface and run very frequently Mishriff isn't as much like that. He takes a little bit more time between his starts. He's more of like a five to six week type of horse, um, sometimes a month, depending on how often he's running. They've they've traveled him a lot. And I think maybe it's kind of caught up with him a little bit, but I think he's got one more left in him. This is going to be the last start of his career. So he can go full out in this race. He's got Frankie back up. I don't, I 100% believe that John Gosden would not have taken him here if he didn't think that this horse could win this race. And I think even his best this year, if he shows up, he likes the course. I, I think his best wins this race.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. We're uh, we're on Mishriff giving the classy individual top billing in here. While we're speaking about the Euros, uh, let's hit on uh, a couple of the other ones that are, are uh, shipping in. We actually have Broom, who also comes out of the the arc last time out, was, was defeated in the arc when finishing eighth. And Broom has showed up here a few times in the U.S. We saw Broom in the breeders cup turf last year finished second broom showed back up again in the sword dancer finishing fourth and you know he's another that maybe the maybe the, the style of our turf courses he likes a little bit with a little more firmer ground to run at than he got in maybe the soft courses in the last two but he was uh behind um goofo mirror mission and soldier rising kind of that little flat fourth in the sword dancer although again the those horses like Gufo in here would have been a major player. Yeah, know.
5: and he had a he had a little bit of trouble in the sword he dancer, did. didn't break very, very well. But I mean, he's been running very good this year. Um, the arc and the Irish champion stakes, he got soft ground, he doesn't like soft ground, so I think he's gonna be a major player in this race as well. He's the horse that I think is most likely to finish second. And here he finished second in this race last year. Um, Irad Ortiz was on board. Last year as well, which I think is very interesting. I was actually talking to Sarah Al last night, and I was like, I just think that is so weird that, you know, instead of having Wayne Lorden up, who's run this one mm-hmm. so many times, and I know Wayne is going to be um, at Keeneland, I'm like, why do they have IRAD up? And then I forgot IRAD had rode him last year and rode him so well that he keeps this mount. So I, I thought that was, you know, really cool. IRAD, of course, you know, does well in these Breeders' Cup races. Um, been a year since he's been on him Mm -hmm. but this horse likes this type of ground it's a jockey that knows this horse so i I think he's definitely a major player in here he didn't get a lot of respect in the arc which i thought was kind of strange there were definitely much better horses in there than him but he's a horse that tends to always show up and on a you know ground that he doesn't like being beaten by about eight links i thought was very fair for him and i think sets him up really well for this
0: race. I agree. I think broom is a player. area. If you're playing, you know, pick fours and pick fives and you're looking to use a couple. Um, oh yeah. Don't I, leave him out. Absolutely. Uh, I think he fits really well in here. Let's um, let's see of all the other uh, European or international horses. We have the 12 um Nautilus Who's I guess a, a total wild card, right? Comes mm-hmm. in from Brazil and, and on top of that hasn't raced since June. So not only do we not really know how those races stack up kind of strength, also having to deal with a a layoff in here. Do you give this horse any shot?
5: He's dealing with a layoff, but Paulo Lobo sneaks these horses through Mm -hmm. a lot.
0: Absolutely.
5: I know this song and dance. He's got Javier Castellano up. Like I, I just like, I know how this operates. It reminds me of Ivar and all those (laughs) other horses. So I'm not going to let this horse beat me. I definitely think I can use him in exotics. He's been running on the dirt and some synthetic a lot. He's been running on some very, very soft and heavy turf courses. So I think that he's definitely kind of a horse that is a little bit of a wild card. I do like that he's going to get fast ground since he's been off for some time. He has been training really, really well, but he is a wild card. This is definitely going to be, you know, the toughest, toughest competition he's faced in a long time. But he won one of Brazil's top races last time out in June, which was the Breeders' Cup win and you're in for him. So, I mean...
0: They take a shot. You take a shot, yeah. right? Yeah, you're in take a
5: shot. I think class wise, he may be a bit in over his head, but but you Tony mentioned Lobo, he's in
0: good hands exactly. for this. And he knows
5: how to upset these races. So I would give him a little bit more of a chance versus maybe some of the U.S. horses that are in here.
0: That you especially know, if you're spreading good. out a little like he's a big price. Yeah. I agree because there some of these U.S. horses that we know you sort of feel like, ah, OK, I think we can maybe eliminate them because I don't think they're classy enough to keep up. Let's do some kind of quick hitters from the inside out. Bye-bye Melvin finished second behind Warlike Goddess in the turf classic. He's a pace factor who was able to take advantage of, you know, nobody else going to the front end and he hung around here. Do you think his speed could help him in this spot?
5: Yeah. And I think honestly, the inside draw helps him a little bit too. So I think they kind of got everything that they wanted with bye-bye Melvin. I think he's one that is an exotics player as well, running that well behind Warlike Goddess and then winning that allowance before. He's in the best form of his life. So he's just got to run those races back. And I think he's definitely a threat to hit the super, super high five, something like that. I don't think he can win the race because I don't think he's going to be able to keep going. But he does, you know, have an opportunity in here where he's had some time off. He is coming back in good form. um, And he really, in my opinion, I think is really the only... um, pace horse maybe in this race
0: he feels a lot faster than both channel maker and highland chief who i think people sure. may may feel like are going to be close up to like if he wants to spread it out i think he can do that and you're right it, again we've we've hit on this point a few times in a race that doesn't feel like it's quite as strong normally mm-hmm. he may be a little more of a player because what's nice with him you know what you're going to get from him mm-hmm. For a lot of other horses, we're not, maybe sometimes they could get stuck in traffic, have some trouble to deal with. From the rail with his running style, he should not have to worry about any of that stuff. It should be a couple lengths clear, and let's take him as far as we can go.
5: And I think that's probably going to be the game plan. They're going, they got every circumstance right for this horse to perform his best.
0: Warlike Goddess, we spoke about earlier. She is a major player and, uh, yeah, I think very deserving of, you know, being one of the top contenders in here. And I agree with you that Philly and Mayor Turf last year, she ran awesome, but it, it still just feels like it's a little too short for her. This really gives her an opportunity to get that that motor revving up and and with her, like, really nice just turn of foot because she's just, like, like, tips by horses and absolutely inhales them I'm excited for her in this spot because, you know, she's not really dealing with, you know, three or four euros coming in here at the top of their game in, you know, peak form. It's a great spot for warlike goddess.
5: It is. This could be a race where she could really, you know, sneak the biggest win of her career out just based on class alone. And I remember during that Breeders' that Philly and Mayor Turf last year, I liked Love's Only You so much, but I liked Warlike Like Goddess too. And I'm like, God, they just have to not find traffic because they're, they're such late runners. They both want a mile and a half. I'm like, I don't know if, you know, I think one of the two of them get up, but do they have time? And I mean, it was a blanket finish And Love's Only You just got up past my sister now. But Warlike Like Goddess, I think if she would have had maybe an extra 16th, she would have gone by. But cool. I mean, just not enough real estate, but she's she's going to get it
0: more like goddess major player in here. The three is Stone Age for Aiden O'Brien and, and Ryan Moore aboard. And Stone Age was here earlier in the year, ran in the Belmont Derby. It was actually right behind Nation's Pride that day. They were kind of moving together, then came back in the Saratoga Derby. Nation's Pride got the better of, uh, of Stone Age that day. He ran... It's not like he's running in uh, in soft spots in his next few. He's in the champion, the Irish champion, and then in the champion, finishing fifth in both of those races. Talk to us about Stone Age, how he's coming in here, and, and do you think he's a player?
5: I'm a little bit confused by him, if that makes sense, because I think mm-hmm. a mile and a half is a little far for him. I like him better around mile and a quarter, mile and an eighth. Um, I think that's kind of right about where he wants to be, so it's a little surprising. That he's in here. His only try at the mile and a half was in the Epsom Derby where he was way outclassed and he was one of the favorite horses in that race. So, I'm not really sure what to make of him. He could surprise me in here because he's ran well lately. He is in good form. Um, he ran back to about fifths but he wasn't beaten very much. He was fifth to Luxembourg and Bay Bridge, of course. Um, his last race in the Champion Stakes was where Baid was defeated, so that race was really just turned on its head in general. So, I don't really... M- He's one that just is very confusing to me. I feel the same
0: way. I know a
5: few people that like him, but I think when you look at his form, it's not even as good as Nation's Pride and Rebels Romance, but it is Aiden O'Brien and it is the turf. So stranger things could happen. But I would say out of all of the Euros that came here, he's the least likely to win this
0: race. I agree. I, I can't get there on the paper, on the form as much. Like totally on connections, I can understand. And if we're looking back after going, wow, Aiden O'Brien and Ryan Moore, you know, Moore was, you know, on this horse that was 12 or 15 to one. But They've actually not had it, you know. Compare that, that, um, Aiden O'Brien to like Applebee recently. You know, he yeah. has not had nearly as much success over here bringing horses in as someone like Appleby. So I think you probably want to get a good price here. And yeah, I, 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 I wanted to like Stone Age more than I do. I, 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 agree. I, I wanted to try to talk myself into him, but I, I can't quite get there at the moment. Uh, We talked about Broom. We talked about Rebels Romance. Channel maker. I mean, it's cool to still see him Mm. hanging around here all these years later. He's eight years old. Very rarely in U.S. horse racing nowadays do we see horses that are still around and that have run 48 times and earned $3.6 million. He was in the Breeders' Cup turf back in uh, a couple years ago. He finished a really good third in 2020. He was in the Breeders' Cup turf. Back in 2018, when he was well-defeated. In 2019, he was well-defeated. And he finally had his best finish in 2020. Last year, he was fifth. Really wasn't a bad effort behind Abir and Broom. It was 55-1, to one, and he was only beaten like four lengths. He he seems kind of like circumstantial, though, at this point in his career. Like, he just really needs to fall into a right kind of trip.
5: Definitely. And I, I think he does get a really good trip with this race, you know, being that they're Is not a lot of pace in it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he can maybe sit that pocket trip of kind of second or third, really get the trip he wants. He's definitely not good enough to win it, but he could be a player in the exotics. He's going to be a big number like he always is. And I mean, unless there is a type of circumstance where the ground is just trash or he doesn't break well, I mean, the horse always shows up.
0: He does. He's super consistent. And I I can, I kind of agree with where you're going um, as we're talking it out in that, in the under spots, some of the horses to use in this race might be horses like this who have some tactical speed because, yeah. you know, if you like a few of the other horses that you think are the best horses to win, and if you're playing like a try or a super, the Channel Makers and the Bye Bye Melvins are kind of fun because they may be hanging around where a lot of these other horses aren't quite as classy and maybe their speed can just kind of put them in a good spot to finish third or fourth and, and spice up some of these exotics.
5: I, I really think as we talked about with the class edge in this race, I think it leaves that door open for horses like that to mm-hmm. pick up a check. For sure.
0: We have the, uh the eight and the nine a couple horses that come in recently from Southern California. That's masterpiece, the eight and the nine gold Phoenix. And I, both of them are nice horses. They've been in good form. Masterpiece won the Eddie Reed and then was second in the Del Mar handicap behind gold Phoenix. And if you dive into gold Phoenix's form and he's not really done anything wrong in his career, the only problem is for, you know, uh, these horses, the Southern California form isn't quite as strong as, you know, the Midwest or the East coast, definitely the European form. So it, it's, it's been tough in the last few years. Because these horses don't stack up all that well, and then for the both of these horses, just in particular, neither one of them has a mile and a half success.
5: Yeah, I want to like these horses, but I just can't. It's just, it's just been so long since the California turf horse has been so good. Um, I can't really even think of many in my lifetime.
0: You N- know, we're that, close
5: to the same age.
0: I so. know that that were no that when that like really really were players that you felt like. We're top contenders in here. Honestly, in the last 10 or 15 years, none of these horses that come out of the West coast prep coast prep races uh, even make sense. I mean, we saw horses compete, you know, um, over the last few years, but it's usually in outrunning their odds. It's not like right. they come in here as a major, major contender. And again, what we're hitting at is the ones that do are horses, like maybe like a smooth, leg like straight or others that kind of get the trip because right. of their speed. I think, the the horses that have some tactical speed or speed from the west coast that can be the equalizer but that's not the case with either one of these two like i can't play it out in my head seeing masterpiece or gold phoenix close in tandem with like a Mishrift or a broom or like one of these deeper cl- warlike goddess if you're telling me they're on even terms with her that they're going to outkick her no no i can't see that like if they had a major tactical advantage i could maybe give one of these two horses but i don't know if they're classy enough and i don't really like i don't really like their running style in comparison to the others in here
5: no i agree with you i just i can't see it with either one of these horses and quite frankly i really can't see either of them finishing in the exotics um they won't be on my tickets just because i think circumstantially they're up against it even from a class standpoint they're up against it so i i mean they're deserving to be in here they're definitely the two classiest turf horses On the West Coast, but I I just think that they're very much up against it
0: in the spot. Let's uh, let's talk about the last two that we haven't hit on in this race. They both come out of the Sycamore. So we can talk about the 10 Red Knight and the winner of that race, Highland Chief, who's the number 13 in here. So Red Knight was a horse who was out here on the uh, West Coast. He's changed barns a few times. Now he's in the Mike Maker barn. And he won his first two starts for Mike Maker earlier this year. One of them was a grade two at Kentucky. Then at Churchill, or then at Keeneland last time out most recently, he had to go really, really wide, got a little flat after that. And the winner of the race, Highland Chief, sat a different type trip. He was able to really track nicely, sit a very, very good trip inside, then just kind of shift and angled out and get the job done there. Do you think either of these horses coming out of the Sycamore have a shot? Give us a quick thought on these two.
5: Red Knight, I think, has the best shot. He's one that I like to kind of maybe get a piece of it. Um, He likes Keeneland. He studied a bunch in the Sycamore. Just did not have a very good trip in that race. Um, Wasn't beaten by much, though. Still made up ground in the end. I like that he's going to get firm ground, and the mile and a half obviously is no problem at all for him. He probably wants to run even maybe a little bit further than that. So I think he could be one. I don't quite know if he gets the pace set up because he does come from wide and a little bit out of it. But I think if you're looking, you know, at the bye-bye Melvins and, you know, the type of horses like that, I think this horse has to logically make a little bit of sense as well for kind of some of the underneath spots. He would be kind of maybe a B or C horse to me in this race. One that I could realistically, you know, see clumping up for a third, fourth or fifth.
0: And uh, yeah, uh, like we said, it's, it's an interesting group this year, Caitlin, because we don't have the overwhelmingly um, informed shippers right now. The shippers that come in, they're, they have some question marks. We have a horse like Mishrif who has the resume and the class, but maybe not in the best of recent form. Then on the flip side, a horse like Rebels Romance who is in really nice form, but we don't really know how good the company he's been defeating is. It's a really fun, intriguing race to dive into. Heck, we spent, you know, 30 minutes going through the field and you have been such a help because in just talking the races out with you, you know, like the, you know, the form lines and the running lines of these international races much more than someone who might just look at the race, handicap the race. You know who these horses are, how they've done, how their years have, have, um, have, have you know, gone out afterwards. I love following along with you. because I know you're up late watching these races or you're up <laughs> early watching these races a lot of the time. And, um uh, it's a, it's such a big help, um, to, to kind of pick your brain on this. So it's sounding like kind of final thoughts. Mishrift was, some, was one for you. And you were also kind of, kind of high on brooms chances in, in here too. kind of talk us out to your, your final thoughts or early on, we're still a few days out from here.
5: I, I, Mishriff is, Mishrif is definitely going to be my number one horse in this race. As far as underneath pieces, I definitely like uh, Broom, uh, Red Knight, and maybe even a little bit of Nation's Pride as some mm-hmm. of the underneath you know type of players that I will be using with Mishriff. And I, I still want to use Warlight Goddess somewhere. Um, I don't know if I will use her with Mishriff for that win spot, but I mean, she 100% makes sense. But I think Mishriff is going to be the horse that I do ride with on top in this spot.
0: Caitlin, we are together with Mishrif also mm-hmm. agree on, uh, on war like goddess there and, uh, look for, I'll look for a price or two to try to include. No, yeah. and I'm with you on broom also. So we're, we're pretty close on, on, um, a lot of the horses we'll be using in the top spots. We will give you a follow on Twitter at Caitlin free. We'll be watching and listening to you this week at Churchill before and after the breeders cup. And, uh, we'll definitely follow along with some of the road to the Derby coverage and the, uh, the content that you've been, uh, you've been providing out there Caitlin, it's been so much fun uh, really getting to know you in the last couple of years. Uh, you and I got the chance to talk and do some work together a couple of years uh, a couple of years ago, and now um, things are going really, really well. And you're doing a, a great job over at, at Churchill and everywhere you show up. And I know it's busy, so I thank you so much for uh, for hanging out and, and taking uh, you know 35 minutes to to come and chat with us.
5: Of course, this is I've done this with you for a couple of years now. Oh yeah,
0: you're a regular. You're you're a regular now. It's
5: always fun to do it, and I know we both are big fans of turf races and international, so it's fun, and I I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Caitlin Free. Make sure to give her a follow. Check out all the great content that she'll have this week coming up for Breeders' Cup. And don't go anywhere, folks. Uh, We're going to move along from race number 10 to race number 11 for the Breeders' Cup Classic. Fantastic stuff from Caitlin there. And, yeah, we're both pretty similar on uh, on Mishrift being the class – Maybe broom being a real intriguing play in here. We'd give nation's pride a little bit of a look. Might be able to get a good trip in there. It's not like I have anything against rebels romance. I just feel like I like a couple of the others at a at a price more. And warlike goddess could be the horse to beat. So two eleven and four all over for me. Some Seven Nations Pride in there Will take a little stand against Rebels Romance And uh, maybe a few of the others But it's a good spot for Warlike Goddess And it's a really nice spot For a horse like Mishrift If there's any of that real class Still left in the tank I think Mishrift will run well in this spot We move from race number 10 to race number 11. It's the Breeders' Cup Classic. Flightline will be your heavy favorite. This is by far the toughest test that he will be facing. We talk about Flightline first with Barry Spears, Matt DeSantis, and we get into every runner in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Following that, we'll have a conversation with Emily Gullickson about the Breeders' Cup Classic right now. My buddies from our stable duel Friday morning live streams, It's the Sniper, Barry Spears, and Matt DeSantis. We talk Breeders' Cup Classic. Okay, we finished things up. It's time to talk the main event. Two of my best buds helping me out with the main event this year. We've got the Sniper, Barry Spears. We've got Matt DeSantis back. You heard the both of them on the Friday Breeders' Cup preview show talking about the opener. So, guys, hey, thanks for hanging out in the uh, in the waiting room this whole time. You know, you guys waited yeah. out. I, I made you wait for like the other 15 interviews that I did. You sat there. <laughs> yeah, the man.
6: Uh, the, I, I read all the highlights magazines.
0: I, <laughs> couldn't have, I couldn't have thought about a better way to set this up to get you guys a little time off. I literally made you sit there the whole time. <laughs> Matt, how we doing today, buddy?
4: Doing great. I was just listening to uh, the Going in Circles podcast uh, while I was in the way to. That's about 3 hours. So, you know. Oh, oh, I'm telling I'm telling Chuck. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Well, fellas, it's time to get to the main event, the biggest race of the year in the, the in thoroughbred racing in North America. The Kentucky Derby is the most well-known, but this is the one for the championship of all the best best horses. It's the Breeders' Cup Classic, and this year we have a horse that we haven't seen many like uh, in, in years past We have Flightline And uh, as we turn the page to talk about the Breeders' Cup fl- Classic Barry, the conversation has to start with him He has been untouched, untested And pretty freaking phenomenal uh, in, in the races that we've seen from him so far
6: Yeah, I, I mean, and and I don't expect him not to show up But I have to say, I mean if there's any time that this horse may not pull another 126 buyer, it's going to be on Saturday. I mean, right. he. It, I mean, I don't see too many horses, you know, coming in at a 126 and then you know, hitting a 130. No, if he and- does that, then he, he, you know, he he deserves everything he gets. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Now, the the question is whether he regresses enough for somebody else to beat him back to his you know 112 114 ish where he could probably get beat um you know that that's really the the gamble here is if you think flight line is going to just dominate this race which i personally don't i think this is a, easily the toughest horses that he's faced
0: uh, well ha- that's what i was just going to say right like, so this life is, is good deal. taiba olympiad Matt, those are probably the second, those are probably the best next best and third best horses that he's faced in any race so far. Right. I mean, country grammar yeah. is good,
4: absolutely. But I,
0: I think all three of those horses and maybe even like a hot rod, Charlie, like he's not I, a slouch
4: too. Yeah, and, and, and you, you didn't even mention epicenter in there too. I mean, so oh, that's, absolutely. That there's like five horses that are better than anybody he's raced and he against. Won, he's ever faced,
0: and he's got to face and, them it, all in the same race. Exactly.
4: Right. I mean, if you look through his past performances, you're right. Like Country Grammar's probably the best horse he's beaten. You know, the the horse before that that he beat was, you know, happy saver, who's 30 to 1 here on the morning line. He beat him by six lengths at the Met mile. And outside of that, it's like a baby Yoda is the next best horse. Like still right. boy, maybe like it's just it's really trailed off. off
0: this year too. Like the last yeah. few races, we don't yeah. whether it was a physical issue or maybe he just had a couple big races earlier yeah, in yeah. the year. But yeah, Barry, you you were right on with that point. This is and that I had that – he will have to face the best opponents he's ever faced by far. No doubt about it. And the thing with him is that he's – he wins these races easily and he crushes. But he's not like a speed demon, right? No, he doesn't should, really like, break that well. No, to, like right out of the know. gate. He's a little – like he plays a little – like he sat second. I mean he was second going into the turn last time out. He was not asked at all early. It was, you know, I think they're a little cautious of him. If he's, if he really is best at a mile and a quarter, right? Is this horse really best at this distance or is he like a really good miler? So they were trying to be really cautious with him. I don't think you can do that in a race where Life is Good is in there, right? Like he, <laughs> no. he's right. going to be, Matt, dealing with like some different type of pressure up front than he's ever dealt with.
4: Right. And I think, you know, Life is Good it has phenomenal gate speed. And is going to go to the lead. I mean, that's what his MO is. That's, I mean, there's a reason he's got all ones on his running line as well. He's just got, he's better out of the gate. He's better early speed uh, than, than flight line. And, And I think that's the, you know, to Barry's point, to your point earlier, it's not just that. Flight lines facing a better caliber of horses. He's facing them on both ends, so yes. to speak. He's yes. facing better early speed than he's ever faced with Life is Good, and he's faced better he's facing better closers in Epicenter and Olympiad and Taba than he's ever faced before. Yep, so he's going to get hit on both ends. So I personally I'm someone I don't think Life is Good can get the 10 furlongs. I don't but, either, but life is good is super important in this race because yes. he's going to set an aggressive pace and potentially wear out flight line to open it up for Taba epicenter, Olympiad, hot rod, Charlie, some of these other names we talked about. Yeah,
0: I agree. I I'm not just going to be single to flight line in this race. as like, I think a lot of people are in, in late exotics and just say, this is his race to win or lose sniper because I, he's going to have to hold off some of those other nice horses who who are you looking at as the horses who you think could really capitalize if we see that battle between flight line and life is good?
6: Um, I, I gotta lean towards the three year olds. Um yeah. I, I think I Abra is 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 improving at the right time. Um this horse is hitting on all cylinders, training lights out, like even for a Baffert horse. Um <laughs> he's training super well. Yeah. And
0: he's scary, especially from the rail. Because he think feels that was the like perfect draw for him. Me too. He feels like he's got enough of the positional speed to where he mm-hmm. won't be way, way out of it, but he can close. Yeah. And he, he he likes
6: to get out. You know, the only thing is if he gets trapped on the rail, he might be in trouble because he doesn't yes. like to get the kickback. Yep. And then um epicenter. I, I I think this horse has just been doing it all year. And yeah. and and he has the right running style. I you know, if this race was run, let's say in August there's no way I would would pick against Flightline yeah now in November you know it opens it up a little bit because epicenter's clearly shown some improvement mm-hmm. you know his his two races at Saratoga were spectacular Very um and Taba <clears throat> you know his his parks race was was solid and he probably should have won the Haskell, the Haskell.
0: And then I mean, he's a he's a head to feet away where he kind of moved wide. And I don't know if he saw a cyber knife, honestly, up the inside He didn't. No, right? I don't think he did. And, and then other than that, he's four for four. He, he's four for five. And his only loss came in the Derby when for any horse, you can toss the Derby out. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. Remember he was it's, only it's, five it's to one, one in the Derby. You know, he was, took a ton um, of money. I, I'm with you. I I, and, I like these three-year-olds keep going though.
6: And, and it's, it's, it's just one thing that another point that, kind of stuck out to me is that flight post position didn't do him any favors because he does have speed to the outside of him um in hot rod charlie who i would think they're going to force the issue here um yeah because if if life is good goes by himself he might be tough and so i i mean this there this is go this could really go a lot of different ways because if let's say you know for whatever reason life and life is good in hot rod charlie hook up you know, that brings rich strike into play and who's improving. Like this, is this is a really, really difficult race to, to kind of pick apart. Now it could just be blown all apart. It, you know, in, in, in a couple of strides, if fly line just gets clear and just wipes this field out. And that's certainly possible. That's probably more and, possible and, than I've seen with any other horse of his stature.
4: Yeah. But, and the other, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Barry. It,
6: I was going to say, but, it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out like his other races and he's going to have to run here and he's going to have to compete and and, and prove that he's the best. I, you know, I, I don't like playing chalk and I'm going to play against flight line here, but it's not impossible for him. No, to, not to at just all. Blow this, this field away because we don't
0: no. know. He might be fine, Matt, sitting a few lengths off. If he has to yeah. and just be yeah. totally fine doing it, right? We just, we, he's never uh, been tested and he's never had to answer those kind of questions.
4: He hasn't. I mean, the, the closest you could say he's been tested was the Met Mile when he kind of got cut off on the rail a little bit against Speaker's Corner and, and he responded well to that. You know, he, he kind of, you know, Flavian dipped him outside. I think Flavian's the right jockey for him too. I mean, yeah. Uh, so I really I mean, there's a lot field. to like there. Yeah. And In that race and, it, it, was five yeah, horses. It, it right? was, yeah. it was. So you didn't have to deal with a lot of traffic. The one thing I was going to say about Life is Good, though, and, and I think it's it's an ongoing issue that I have with Irad, but that's that's between he and I <laughs> is if he strangles out a 2448 on Life is Good, I, I then I do think it sets up for flight line because he's not yeah. really getting pushed that much. You're and, absolutely I mean,
0: right. If we we watched second-
4: Irad, exactly. We watched Irad put this horse to sleep at the Woodward. And yeah. we all love law professor, but law professor had no business to up eyeball to eyeball no. against life is no, good in that race. It. And he did. And then it was like, I read, realized like, oh, we got to go. And, and you know, then he pushed the horse and he ended up winning. It was not the most impressive prep. And but if the, if they try to strangle out fractions, then flight line can just sit off that flank and just be like, OK, like we'll go at this pace. That's cool. And, and then have plenty to go. And so I, I think life is good's best commodity is his speed and i hope they utilize it because if they try to rein it in too much it honestly no, just sets up that. for the favor
6: <laughs> i hope they don't do that because that'll just ruin this whole race i agree but, um i i think you know one thing about life is good in that race at aqueduct in the slop i i don't think he he really enjoyed the slop no he didn't like no, that. Much. i i i also think he he needed that race funny enough i i don't think he came back from his trip to Dubai that well and Mm. if you look at his last race and physically look at this horse and I'm not you know the the Guru on on looks and physicality with the horses but he looks a lot better training since he ran that that race at uh the big A yeah I think I think he's come out better than he went in and he's going to be peaking and that's dangerous especially with a with a speedball like that if if people can't run with him like there's there's certainly a situation where he could do like he did in the pegasus oh yeah absolutely yeah. he gets out there yep. and just wings it nobody's around him and he just keeps going um there's so many different ways this this race can go and that's what makes it so difficult despite am... you know a horse of a lifetime basically being in it and he he's i wouldn't say he's vulnerable but he can get beat here
0: yeah, and I'm glad, Matt, that we got this race. I was a little bit nervous yeah. a few months ago wondering, are we going to get a big enough field, or are we going to have a race where there feel like there are three or four other contenders, and they're doing here. Like you said, he's going to have to earn it more than he ever has before. And I think yeah. the horse racing fan in me piggybacks your point exactly. I hope that Life is Good goes fast, just so that way we really see Flightline have – Earned it if he wins this race Easily he had to put away or deal With some other fast fractions from life is Good and then he had to hold off A couple of pressers and then a deep Closer or two that's what I want to See and uh, this field Has come up very very Strong I mean you go through it and I kind of Agreed with what Barry was saying like If Happy Saver won this race I'd be shocked if I Would if it, it, I mean <laughs> he, he Would be the only one I would yeah. not even be yeah. As surprised with Rich Strike because I, rich strike has now in back to back races run better than i ever thought he was going to run again like i never thought he would run back to what he ran in the derby and when he he showed up in the travers with that pretty good fourth and then last time out he had hot rod charlie he ran right by him but hot, hot rod charlie's so sort of like so quirky he he'll never <laughs> win a race by like open lengths but he'll never get beat by all that much you know he, yeah, he'll yep. just fight you but he he doesn't want to Go on and win Because Hot Rod Charlie was getting the most perfect trip in the world I was like, wow, Hot Rod's going to win this race by four or five legs And he let Hot, Rich Strike pass him But then he yeah, fought he him He idled,
6: he waited for him You mm-hmm. can see at the at mid-stretch um, he, he waited for Rich Strike yeah. And that's not a good thing guess. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> no that's horses. not a good thing. Like Lied, a mile Lied. and a quarter
0: here for him. Yeah, too. You, you
6: can't wait on horses and 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 then turn it back on. I mean, I guess some horses could do that, but I I, I wouldn't want to gamble on that.
0: No, yeah. no, but um, you're also right in that he he's never been like four or five lengths behind. He's always up, like pressing, even mm-hmm. in the race with Life is Good. A couple starts back, he wasn't that. Yeah, he, he goes,
6: he goes. I, I think he's gonna he's gonna be a, a pace factor here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when he won the the PA Derby uh, last year, he was on the lead the whole time. Yep. I mean, yeah. he he's a he's technically a speed horse. He's not as fast as as Life is Good, um, but he he'll get out there and and kind of make some waves, and that that might be enough for somebody like Table to just. Kind of take over and yeah, it, yeah it's just this is a really difficult race
4: yeah i think to, to barry to your point you know hot rod charlie it's important to remember he ran the fastest opening quarter of a mile in the belmont stakes ever yeah uh back mm-hmm. there in, in hell pretty well 21 and absolutely that was a great second place ever because anybody who ran those fractions in that race because it wasn't just the opening quarter the opening half was one of the fastest in history and he, the fact he dug in and hung on. And finished such a strong second to essential quality that day, I thought was just so impressive. So he, he's absolutely a fighter. He's a horse that at fifteen to one is extremely useful. I think to use in your tickets because he's a horse that just again a little bit like uh, epicenter just always turns in a very honest effort everywhere he goes. Uh, he might not, and he, and while he does idle, uh, if he's chasing people, then he's a little bit better in that regard.
0: What I like about epicenter too, is we will just kind of continue on and hit a little tidbits on the last few in the field Um, epicenter. Who's the number six in he's, he seemed for a few races, like he lost a little bit of his speed. And there were a couple instances where he was slow away. um, And then he got squeezed in the Preakness early on in that race. He wasn't going to be on the lead, but he would have been able to be a lot closer, kind of put himself in the race. But I'm actually for a little while, I wasn't sure if I was going to take it as a negative. Like, what happened to epicenter speed? Has he been losing some of his speed early? And the more I've dug into this race, I'm actually treating it as more of a positive now, in that yeah, he in, matured. In, in his he's versatility matured. He's matured. Yeah. And, and just we've seen him have to come from five, six lengths out of it before, where a lot of these horses. I don't know what they're going to be like if they're in that position. If Some of the horses that are used to sitting those close, comfy trips where they're just a couple lengths off the speed, Epicenter's actually dealt with that before now. So he can do that, and I think, like you were kind of hitting on too, Barry, I like that. I'm not as worried about him getting outrun either because, you know what, in the Travers, he was pretty handy. He broke a lot better to start. He was right there with them, and he just decided to sit fourth, a really close-up fourth, because that was the best place to sit. I think he might be one of the most versatile horses in this race as far as being able to place himself kind of anywhere.
6: Right, and if you look at his races, the only two times when he got beat um, in the Preakness and the Derby, he had to negotiate a little bit of traffic early. That got him a little bit behind and he he ran a winning race yep He he i mean in effect he should have won that one yep and then the preakness he just didn't get a good start and it was kind of a debacle from the beginning stuck on the rail then came up the rail and it was just not the place to be and he didn't get an ideal trip and still finished up well so if he gets out and he can get kind of in his rhythm and in his spot you know third you know three and a half lengths behind he's going to be right there. I mean, th- how can he, how can he not? And again, the X factor is flight line blowing this field away, which can happen, but I don't know. It, it's, it's just, it's just hard. I, I, I can't, I couldn't single a horse like flight line in this, despite what his
0: record and, and past performances and everything looks like. Matt, uh, talk to us a little more about uh, the six epicenter here.
4: Yeah, I mean, just a, a horse that always turns in a great effort. Outside of that, Maiden has never finished out of the exacta, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, considering the level of races he's run in. I, I think he did answer a lot of questions at that Travers, because I think some of us thought maybe he had plateaued at that like 100 102 buyer speed figure. He showed a whole other gear at that Travers, clearly like going the mile and a quarter. Um and yeah, I mean, just just a great effort. I agree with Barry. I think it, this race sets up really nicely for him because unlike a horse, like Olympiad that I feel does need to be a little bit closer to the pace. Yeah. Um, Epicenter can be further back and can close. And that's I, who I was think that's kind of talking happy. about him. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned him. Yep. He's he's yep. next
0: up anyways, but the, here's Olympiad. And if you, you know, you look at Olympiad's races throughout the year, he's had a fantastic year. He's won six of his seven starts, but what I, I felt like, at Saratoga on August the 6th, the Whitney was by far the toughest field that he faced all year yep. by far, where he had to deal with life is good. Hot rod, Charlie happy saver. Cause he'd been beating happy saver. And that was sort of like the toughest foe that he had been dealing with throughout a lot of the year. And I don't know if it was the good track. Maybe it was cause the track was a little bit off or the competition. He was disappointing that day. Now he bounced back in the jockey club and he handled an easier group but I loved where you were going. Like if he's four or five lengths off of it, that's different than how he's been winning his races all year long.
4: Exactly. Bill Mott even said he needs to be about two lengths, maybe three lengths from the leaders. And he can't be more than that. And if he's more further back than that, he's just not going to work. And yeah, I, I just, I, I, this race just does not set up well for Olympiad at all. That's why I tend to want, I actually like him a lot less than I, like horses like hot rod charlie or, or the last horse in the field rich strike yeah um and, and the other thing to point out that jockey club gold cup uh victory which was at a mile and a quarter the, the fractions were incredibly slow if you go back and look and you mentioned it was against weaker competition even though it was a grade one and the third place horse first captain just came out and ran an absolute <laughs> clunker and finished dead last at keeneland last week so i mean that race has not come back particularly strong and i just feel like olympiad he racked up a lot of reputation and wins over the summer and spring against grade two, grade three competition. Absolutely. And I just don't think he's the caliber of horse that we see from some of the top four or five horses here.
6: Right. No, he's, I, he's like, um, you know, like a speaker's corner upgrade. Yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, he, good he, He's just yeah. slightly better than speaker's corner. And, you know, I'll say this about Olympiad. You lose the baby Yoda, I can't play in the classic. <laughs> <laughs> lost to baby Yoda like last year, and yep. you know, not nothing against baby Yoda. He's a nice horse. He's just yep. not this kind of horse. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I just can't do it. It, you know, it and doesn't I, even matter if it, if it was a sprint race or not. He lost to that horse who gives it up. Like baby Yoda is not like, <laughs> you know, doesn't finish races off. Yeah, we
4: just saw him give it up this weekend. So yeah. right,
6: and I, and this horse got beat by him
0: if you like I'm looking for a horse that was going to be sitting in a same type of spot, but that I would, like you said, and I like what you did, what you did there, Matt, I would much rather play hot rod Charlie at a better price than Olympiad. If you're looking at horses that are going to be in that same area and hot rod Charlie is a little faster, I think early than him doesn't need just to kind of sit so cozy. I'm mm-hmm. seems like we're all cold on Olympiad, but Barry, you were, you know, mentioning some positive stuff about rich strike. And I got to say, like, I, And when he won that Derby, he had never run a race, anything close to that Derby race (laughs) ever. And he won. And I did not, I didn't know how much we were even going to see him again on the track. Personally, he didn't run in the Preakness, which was so weird. But, you know, you look at it right now. This is a horse who's still running in the Breeders' Cup Classic and coming off of two races where he had triple digit buyer speed figures. And maybe that is because they didn't try to wheel him back quickly in the Preakness. And yeah, I will, mean that's like, definitely something that you can you can
6: think about because you know his running style is is kind of kind. Yeah. Um but it's it's not conducive to slow paces. No. And he might get the pace that he needs here. Yep. And mm-hmm. and with his, you know, his improvement, I I'm with you, Gino. I thought he was never gonna get another buyer of over a hundred ever, and he's done it twice since. Yep. Um Especially off the layoff, he, he's clearly improved. Um, you know, it just—if if you think that it's just going to be a wild pace up front, or you know, if you think Flight Line and Life Is Good is going to hook up at some point during this race to speed things up, that opens it up for a horse like Rich Strike, because he's just going to be kind of back there hanging out, trying to see what everybody else—and
0: actually, this race should be better for him than either of the last two that he was in, because Mm -hmm. in those smaller fields, it forces him to have to try to move a little bit earlier. And that, that just isn't going to be the case here, right? Like this isn't going to be a field where he's like, "Ah, I have to go earlier. I'm going to stay away. He's just going to drop back, hope they go really wicked fast. And if they do, he might benefit the most. Does that mean he's the most likely winner? No, but if we get a crazy speed duel and and you know, we get life is good. And then all of a sudden flight line gets hooked up with a horse that he's never really had to deal with. And they're both flying down, you know, and they're putting all this pressure on each other. The best, you know, the, the, the horse who will like that the most is, is rich strike. I have no problem using him in underneath spots. And there will be a ticket or two that he's on of mine in like a pick four or a pick five, just in case at least one or two, because as you're saying, Barry, like there are versions of this race being run where that happens. And Matt, we kind of laughed when we did the, uh, the Kentucky Derby draft. You're doing another, (laughs) another one of these this year. Uh, If anyone wants to watch and check out on your social media, you're doing a breeders cup draft with, uh, is it Caitlin free Sarah chase? The wolf, yeah, yeah, Chase, uh,
4: yeah, Wolf of Oaklawn, uh, Sarah and Caitlin, yeah, tonight, uh, yeah, Tuesday the, the first. So, and no. you can check it out on my social media, it'll be up for a while. So,
0: awesome. Some of you who may are, have been listening or hearing this so will be probably hearing it, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But if you if you want to go back, that'll be on Matt's uh, tw- uh Twitter feed that you can go check it out at any point. Um, and have that, check out that draft they're doing for a, a couple of the races. We laughed because Rich Strike, you know, was was an <laughs> AE. He drew yeah, in exactly. and he wins the Derby. But you know what? This horse and the barn and the connections, they've done a really good job with this horse. He didn't fire in the Belmont. But since yeah. then, he came back with a good fourth in the Travers where he was right behind Zandon, in a really nice second where he looked like he was the winner in the Lucas Classic and, uh, and Hot Rod Charlie battled back. Sounds yeah. like we all like Taiba a little bit.
4: Matt, oh, Matt yeah. go ahead. You, you have something else to, to mention? Yeah, I was just going to say, Strike, I think that you could look at a race. You could look at this race sh- a shape and go, and, l- and let's say you think Flightline is a horse of the ages. Then what's going to happen is Life is Good's going to go out fast, and Hot Rod Charlie is probably going to go out pretty fast, and Flightline's going to go out pretty fast, and they run nuclear paces, and Flightline can still just handle it. Then what's going to happen is literally everybody else is going <laughs> to just fade. Yep, And so Rich Strike hitting the board makes total sense. Easily. And, and, and if you and if you go, I don't think Flightline's the horse of a century. I think they're going to wear him out up front. Then Rich Strike can still hit the board, you know, because there's well, clearly a strong pace up front. So he feels like a, a horse that you should absolutely be including in your verticals.
6: One thing you'll notice, and if you look at the second split in all of Rich Strike's races, right, the faster they go, the better it is for yeah. him. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and you look at that compared to everybody else's, they're running the one tens. I mean, uh flight line, six, for owns one, Oh, eight and two going a mile. Yeah. One Oh nine. Yep. I mean, it, th- this is going to set up for a horse like that, whether he's too far back to close in or doesn't have enough punch, you know, that's where the gamble is, but, you got to think. No matter what happens, he's going to get a favorable setup. He might not win, it.
0: but he's going to be there because well, he's just the, because of the setup. He's really like the only true closer in this whole field. Because mm-hmm. yes. the rest yeah. of this field are all kind of pressers or horses who want to sit to the middle of the pack. We can say Epicenter has some real versatility to him, but you know, just like a quick look at the field, yeah, we said Olympiad wants to be right there. Epicenter. Pretty uh, pretty versatile. Hot Rod Charlie is going to be close. Flight line going to be close. Happy Saver wants to sit, you know, fourth or fifth. Doesn't want to be too far out of it. Life is good right on the lead. And Taiba wants to sit in maybe the second flight right behind. So if, you know, maybe there's, I, I say things like this because I try to play races out in my head. Like if it were simulated a hundred times, you know, because there are versions of races where different things happen. There's a version of this race where a lot of those horses are more forwardly placed because maybe they don't want to they don't want to get outrun by Life Is Good or um, Flight Line. And then we see Life Is Good and Flight Line, and then there's a a nice group of horses all pressing like right behind them to try to stay in in stalking range, and all of them are going a little faster than maybe they wanted. There are a lot of ways this could set up for a good run from Rich Strike, a horse who, if you would have told me a few. Months uh, months ago that I was actually making a case for this horse as a player to hit the board in the Breeders' Cup Classic. I would have said, Hey, whatever, whatever that Gino is smoking, send it, send it my way. Because <laughs> is some good stuff,
6: man. That's some good stuff. Well, it it almost goes back to what I said before. If this race was
0: in August, it would have been a different story. Yeah. Totally agree. But you see the improvement from him exactly. that he needed. He's done, he's answered without winning. He's passed the test that he's needed to show he's at least a horse that is competitive with this group. And if he's going to be a big price for a horse who feels like he's getting a trip that a lot of us think could be a beneficial trip in here. Cause I totally agreed with your assessment, Matt, of like, however you think it's going to play out, it might be one of two ways. Th- maybe there's a chance that he just gets totally outrun, but mm-hmm. Barry kind of countered that point already showing that, when they go a little bit faster, it just gives him a little bit more to run at.
4: Yeah, because if they go faster, everybody else is going to be so tired because none of these horses have run that side of pace before either, and so they're going to start fading, and and he's going to be there to pick up the pieces. And I just, it's one of these races where, and Gino, I love what you said about you know if they had run this race a hundred times, what's going to happen? And and I think, you know, if they run it a hundred times, maybe. Flight line wins it the the most n- number of times out of everybody in this field, yep. whatever that is. But there's a lot of different scenarios that can play out how Tabo reacts to the rail if, if, she, if he gets caught inside or is able to get angled out a little bit more epicenter sitting mid pack and making a run. I mean, uh, to me, it, it goes back to what Barry, one of the very first things he said to me, it's the three year olds. Taba and Epicenter are the two that I'm looking at yeah. in this race to, to 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 win.
0: I agree. I agree. We're we're all, it seems like in the in the same boat in here. I, I I more and more just kept coming back to Taiba and more and more kept looking at the versatility of Epicenter and just thinking that they may be the ones to benefit. What's nice is there's some upside there with those horses too, because they're still improving. We saw Epicenter throw in his best race last time out, and we see Taiba at so lightly raced. You know, there's, there's a ceiling that these horses may not have hit yet and it'll be built into their price too, which is nice. I mean, they're going to be five plus to one. They should offer us nice value here. If you're trying to beat or just not necessarily single in on flight line, that was a fun little talking it out process there of the breeders cup classic. So we have, uh, the sniper Barry Talk to us. Uh, what's going on with, uh, with going in circles this week or anything else on your, uh, on your plate.
6: Um, we're doing another uh marathon podcast. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I think it's gonna be in two parts. Um, we're gonna just talk about the races. We're not really gonna offer any kind of um wagering advice or anything like that, but we're probably gonna do something similar to what what's going on here. Um and we have a few guests coming on that might be a surprise, but uh nice. yeah, we're doing that. And you know, I I taped something with uh, Sarah at HR Nation cool. um, earlier today, which is Tuesday, 11, 1. Um, so that should be out and um, just ready. I, I, I just can't wait for the week to, <laughs> to get here and and then and start firing away.
0: Fun times. Uh, Matt, I know you've got a, a lot of stuff out there too. Talk to us about some of the things you have going on.
4: Yeah. I mean, if you just follow me on the handle at Fail to menace, you can follow all the stuff that I'm putting out there, but yeah, I'll be doing capping the card where I go through all the breeders cup races on Friday and Saturday, give you my top pick and my top value play for each of those races. Uh, I, we're also doing a really fun series called the case against the kind of short videos where yeah. we make the case against favorites. So if you're struggling and you're not knowing how to fade favorites, you know, maybe present some, cases for why you might want to look past some obvious choices. Uh, and obviously the breeders cup fantasy draft and yeah, it's just a whole bunch of content. But uh, the other thing I'll say is I will actually be at Keeneland on Friday and Saturday. So awesome. anybody nice. listening, if, uh, if you all are, uh, if you're at the track, make sure to come by, say hi, I'd love to meet you and uh, you know, have a, have a drink and, and talk some ponies. So it, it should be a lot of fun. Cool. Awesome. Nice. Well,
0: fellas, Man, I love you guys. You're two of my best buds out there that I've never even met, which is so weird. It's like we talk so much all the time, like all, every week, and it's like we never even seen each other in person. But that'll change sometime soon. All right? Yeah, because because yeah.
6: you guys got to come to Disney World and hang out. Absolutely. Exactly. We'll do that. or come soon. to Tampa. There you go. Come to Tampa
0: Bay yeah. now. Yeah. You know there you what? go. let I, I, I'm gonna circle that as like a tentative plan because things will start to ease up a little bit for me too is on the on the schedule now, uh, moving yeah, forward. Winter time. Yeah. yeah, but. Uh, I love uh I love chatting with you guys. You guys are are sharp handicappers. We we have a good time, we have fun, and it's just been a blast. Thank you so much for hanging out every Friday morning, you get up early, you take a couple hours out of your uh, of your schedule and you, and you come over and uh you don't ask much of me at all and you you put up with my crap. So you're a couple of good friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love you fellas. Thanks so love much too, for buddy. helping us out and yeah. uh, good luck all week long with all of your plays and everything. All
6: right. Love you, man. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, brother.
0: That's Barry Spears and Matt DeSantis helping out with the Classic. We'll have one more look at the Classic. For the big main events, we had two looks at the Classic, two looks at the Distaff. So I had my boys, Matt and Barry, helping out. We're going to talk with Emily Gullickson a little bit about the Classic. Also, we did the same thing with the Distaff. We wanted for the main events to get uh, as much analysis and information as possible. And please follow uh, the Sniper with Going in Circles podcast. Him and Chuck do a great job there. And Matt, I love the series that Matt was doing, uh, taking shots at the favorites, trying to find uh, vulnerable favorites, or just how could you beat the favorite? Who would you look at? It just gets the wheels spinning, and I think it gets good thoughts being percolated in people's heads. One more to talk about the classic next. Make sure to give the Sniper and Matt a big follow on social media all week long. I figured for the big races, we just have to give you as much information as possible, a couple different opinions. So this year on the Distaff and the Classic, we had a couple conversations. Big thanks to Matt and Barry helping us out. Now, the final chat about the Breeders' Cup this year is with Emily Golickson about the Breeders' Cup Classic. The Breeders' Cup Classic. It's going to go on Saturday as race number 11, and we have... Flightline signed in here As your heavy morning line favorite And I I love how we were Playing it out and Emily you mentioned how In the distaff it's kind Of a a similar race just from a Talking point with how it shapes Up with some of the younger horses that come in the Older you have that kind of standout favorite in flightline But from a talking standpoint I think The same can be said about flightline in That he will be I think the best horses that he's faced so far in his running lines have been happy saver and country grammar. Um, you know, when we see happy saver might make this race, I know I think we saw something about him having a quarter crack happy yes. saver. Um, yes, so was
3: reported this morning.
0: Just keep that in mind. If you're handicapping the races as Emily and I are talking on Wednesday morning, but flight line is five for five. He's undefeated. He's never been tested, but he's going to be facing probably the second I mean, probably the best, second best and third best horses he's ever faced in his life, all in the same race at the same time.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as again, as an individual, he is like the clear cut, you know, horse to beat. I mean, he's just insanely talented. Brilliant, brilliant horse. You know, uh, they these types don't come along. The competition that he's going to face, the race shape he's going to face. These are new. You know this is new. As I made that that same comparison with with the distaff, and again, apologies, but you know where where Flightline is in this race because you're going to have Life is Good, who is the society of this race that's sending and that's going to go to the front that is super fast, and you know Flightline has to be the one chasing him because nobody else is quick enough to do so. What that does to Flightline. We just don't, you know, we don't really know because he hasn't had to do that. Now, looking at the plot, he's a big circle on surface distance. He's a smaller circle on standard, but it's not necessarily showing he's dominant in this type of scenario. The previous races that he has run in, he's looked absolutely dominant. He's like a giant square. He's like the size of quadrant one. You know, he's just like a <laughs> massive square where he stands out over the field. And he just doesn't have that today. So yeah, with- I still I still say he is the horse to beat, but there is a scenario where he's he can get beat.
0: Life is good, it's going to make him work harder on the front end. Taiba, epicenter, Olympiad, probably the best other three that he's he's faced. And, you know, even horses like Hot Rod Charlie and Rich Strike are are not far off. Let's talk about this field, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Let's go inside from the inside, outside, and we start with number one, Taiba, the three-year-old who didn't fire in the Derby. Very easy to put a line through the Derby for any any horse really. And other than that, he's a a head away from being undefeated. Probably could have won that Haskell. I don't know if he saw Cyberknife down on the inside and he beat Cyberknife, or he beat um, Jack Christopher, who came back out of that race to win. Taiba then went over in the Pennsylvania Derby sat behind nicely kind of shifted out at parks he will also have to face older he'll be able to save the ground in here um talk to us about taiba
3: yeah i mean if you're looking at the plot he just he pops he's this huge square right in the middle so it just you know it catches your eye that he's very live in this race from that perspective he, and when he did he, this video, I did a video with with John Doyle. We we kind of discussed this race on the draw. And somebody in the chat brought this up, and it was so so clever because I really hadn't done like a deep dive at that point. But he's like, you know, what do you think about um, type of working his workout patterns? It's every five days, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's curious, right? Because my old background training athletes is you really don't want to do anything different up to the event, mm-hmm. right? You you do your changes and all that adjustments like before before the big event, and so you're like, oh, okay, that's yeah, that is interesting. He does have that series of works where he's working five days apart, uh, and then you know I'm I've got to watch those works. Obviously, Bob Baffert knows what he's doing, has a plan, um, but it it does you know, and and as far as the visuals, he looks. The way that he normally looks, um, just kind of visually and following him since even before the debut. But there is that that lingering question in my mind that is he overtrained going into this race, right? Where you I know can do, where you can do so much preparation that it's almost too much. Too preparation. much. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: you try to fine tune them too much. Yeah.
3: And it's, and it's one of those things where it's like, you're, you know, you're so sharp and you're ready to go. And then all of a sudden, you know, mile 12 in the marathon, you hit the wall. Cause it's just like, it just, you know, it hits you catches up with you. Yeah. Those miles. And it doesn't, it doesn't trickle. It either hits you or it doesn't. So if that is in, that is in my mind where, you know, every other factor I could see him as, as a contender. And I, I do think he'll be shorter than the eight to one morning line. He could even be the second choice in here.
0: Yeah, he because he he does check a lot of the boxes. He seems like he's he has enough speed, positional speed, to where he won't completely be outrun, but he can finish. I I I like that with him. And and with the draw, you know, he should be able to save a lot of the ground too. If he is in that like six to one ish plus range, he will be one of the ones for me. Um if I'm, you know, especially if I'm looking to beat flight line. I think he can stay close enough and he can have some some finish there. Taiba is the one for Baffert. And we move to a former Baffert who's now in the Pletcher Barn. Life is good. Life is good. Won the Whitney at a mile and an eighth. Then came back and won the Woodward on the slop over at Aqueduct on October the 1st. There was some really bad weather heading into that weekend. So races that you see on the dirt or on the turf, the figures are a little weird. and, And some of the races are funky. I mean, I just don't think he really liked the track all that much that day. A law professor who's not quite as quality as him gave him a good scare. And it, it felt like his class has kind of put him there. He also wasn't really ridden the way he's normally ridden where they just kind of get aggressive with him and stretch the field out. They kind of rated his speed a little bit more that day too. Um, life is good. I think the plan with him is, is pretty simple. Like you said, right? They're not in here to sit. It's just, I hope he isn't ridden kind of the way he was last time you know, to kind of try to save a little for the mile and a quarter, do you think Irad lets him loose or is he going to try to, you know, try to rate and ration the speed a little bit that might make it easier for a flight line and make him not have to work as hard sitting a, a comfy trip?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think that they that they have to send because flight line's in this field and they know he's going to be, if they try to rate, he's going to be sitting right there and then there's no chance at 10 furlongs so that life is good is going to outkick flight line. No, it
0: just takes no. away what, what you do. Well, right. I don't, well,
3: and you're and not, not even just what you do well, but your advantage in the race shape, knowing the tactics yep. of your, of your other contender. It's like, you know, life is good is, you know, the 10 furlongs. He's probably not, he, I mean, obviously any horse can get it. It just kind of depends, but this is not, this isn't his game. He has distance limitations. He's better going shorter. They're going to have to send They're, it, that's going to be their best chance to maybe even hold for second um, in this type of scenario. So, yeah, I, 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 would imagine that's what they're going to do in this race, especially if, you know, it starts, the Keeneland track starts, you know, favoring speed or playing fast or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it will be, um, it, it does, it does either help her or her flight line uh, if they do take that tactic. But again, I, I don't think they do. I think it's similar to society where they're going to, they're gonna gun it and they're gonna go as far as they can as fast as they can.
0: Yeah, again, I'm I'm very glad a horse like this is in this race because we've never seen Flightline have to deal with a horse like this before. And what what he will do. He might be totally fine sitting four lengths off of Life is Good, and it may be no issue. But we're gonna be taking, you know, two to five on on a horse that we don't know if they can do it. And that's a one that's one point that I've really loved in talking with you over the last couple of years is about. Some of these horses that get those really cozy trips in smaller fields and how in tougher fields and on bigger days, those horses don't get those same trips and they get overbet a lot of the time. And just kind of, for example, a horse like Olympiad is one that I would be worried about because Bill Mott even mentioned he doesn't think the horse can really he needs to be about two or three lengths off. And I don't know if he's going to be able to be in that situation with a life is good in here. Can flight line, you know, sit that kind of trip um, with life is good. I love that we have life is good in here to uh, to make it honest. I love that we have society in the distaff to hopefully make it honest. There, happy saver. We just mentioned a minute ago, Emily, they uh, they reported this morning that there is a quarter crack. So he wasn't training. They are still going to try to make the race. Let's say everything was going, um, you know, 100 percent for him heading into it. What do you think of him coming off of that fourth place finish in the uh, the Lucas and uh, the runner up effort behind Life is Good in the Whitney?
3: Um, I, you know, he's more of an underneath contender, anyways. Um, and what was reported today isn't great. And I don't, you know, he'll be fine. If they run him, he's fine to run. Um, but I, I don't, like you mentioned, even if he was still 100%, I think he's more of a, an underneath player.
0: Flight line, three to five on the morning line. He is. Five for five he's never been tested And the Thing that's kind of intriguing about uh, him For the horses like This that you normally see That win by open lengths And have pretty big speed figures They're usually just kind of run Off speed horses he's Not really that we saw in his Last race he's he's Wants to sit kind of a cozier Trip and then just kind of Let the gears start turning and And wind himself up and he's super, super awesome, but he's not just a run you right off of your feet type, which you generally see with horses like this that win by open lengths. He'll be sitting in here. I mean, on paper, he's not, I think he's going to be a couple lengths behind Uh, life is good. That's probably where he wants to be. And sort of the same conversation that we were having with nest in the distaff, when do they engage? How do they engage? What is the trip in their head that that Sadler and Pratt and Ronis Racing want to plot out for him?
3: Yeah, and and even with that said, I mean, best laid plans, whether what they plot out or what they end up getting could be two, could be two different things. All of a sudden so, that horse yeah. gets
0: away from you another length and you, you feel like, you know, uh-oh, we got to press the button and go a little earlier, right? Everything changes until you get punched and then you got to make it call an audible, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or you have a horse that's, you know, five, six lakes in front. It's like, yeah, yeah. at what point do you push that button? Do you engage? Are are you engaging when they're going uh, a sub 23 second quarter? You know, it's like all, all those things. Are you side by side with horses? I mean, flight line... He can part of the reason that, you know, you kind of noted that trip is he's not necessarily the quickest out of the gate. No, he kind of gets himself kind of into gear. So how far that kind of puts him, you know, right out of right out of the gate, how many legs behind, whether they just try to send or what um, that that's really what it's going to what it's going to come down to is that, you know, that tactics and the trip on. Um, like I, I said to start, I mean, he's he's absolutely the horse to be one of the best horses we've seen in, in years might ever see in our lifetime. He's that yeah. he's that good. And maybe that good. It doesn't matter what happens. He's just going to he's going to crush. Um, but, you know, you kind of play out those scenarios in the in the sense that you turn off, you know, your your kind of like fan hat and put on mm-hmm. your gambling hat and wear you know, how you want to how you want to approach approach this race.
0: Right next door is Hot Rod Charlie. He has been a horse that I think, in talking with with you before, we've we've poked some holes in in just he has that that kind of cozy just off the pace running style. Not sure if he'll be able to get that in here. The difference in this race, I guess, with Hot Rod Charlie than in some of the others is he's actually going to be a price versus you know every other time we've probably talked about him. He's been more like one of the horses to beat. And and horses that we maybe have trying to be beating there. Um, Hot Rod Charlie. What's funny about him. He was getting a trip in the Lucas Classic. That looked like he was going to win that race by five lengths. Just perfect trip. Sitting right off. Strikes the front. And then he starts to idle. It's like he'll never win by open lengths. But then when he gets past, He really will fight you. He will really try hard. And that's what happened. He came all the way back and he battles back and he ends up beating Rich Strike, who got the better of him and, and had a little bit of an advantage there at Churchill Downs. Talk to us about Hot Rod Charlie.
3: Yeah, I mean, the the thing with Hot Rod Charlie is he's not he's not the best horse in this race by any means. He might not even be the second best horse or the third best horse in this race. So you're kind of sort of doing the same scenario with, like, search results, right? Like, he's, you know, the third, fourth best horse, but does he have enough form coming into this race, enough foundation coming into this race, getting the right run style, the right rider? That is there a scenario where it just kind of like falls into his lap? Yes, that, that could happen. I'd say maybe if there's any shift, like you mentioned, you're going to get the price compensation. So he's a horse like I I tried to get to for that reason, because if I am trying to take on flight line, it's like, who's it going to be? I couldn't I could quite get there for some reason um but again he could he could just kind of be that horse in the right time and place for those factors as the fifth best horse in this field.
0: I agree. I want I want to like him a little bit more at his price in this spot than I do. Um I'm not going to really talk anyone off of using him at, at his given price and and I do like that he shouldn't be outrun in here. And he kept up with life is good a few a few starts back. He was not that far behind him, and he kind of moved into contention there. He was never going to win that race or anything, but he's not going to be outrun by, you know, life is good or by faster horses. He's, he's honest. He's gritty. He will try. Just like you said, how good is he? Is he good enough to beat a tough field all at the same time? I don't know, but— it won't shock you if all of a sudden you look up and, like, turning for home, he's within two lengths and he's right there. He's he's always right there.
3: Absolutely, yep, yeah. He has all the, he has all those factors going for him.
0: Let's move to Epicenter, who earlier on in the year, in the three-year-old season, he was pretty speedy and kind of one-dimensional almost uh, until the Louisiana Derby, when he sat off a bit, and then the Kentucky Derby. It's it's tough to really. Like Hold the starts against any horses In the Kentucky Derby in the field of 20 A lot of these horses aren't going to get out of the gate all that well So, you know, he was Five, six lengths behind in the Kentucky Derby But then in the Preakness, slow again And then got squeezed back a little bit Had some of that traffic trouble Came back in the Jim Dandy Again, wasn't really very fast out of the gate In the Travers, much better start And he got to kind of pick his trip He just tracked nicely behind uh, The leaders and he looked like a winner all the way around. That was a monster effort for him. He comes into this race a little bit fresh. He has not run since the Travers, and he will face Older for the first time. How do you think Epicenter stacks up with this group?
3: Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting horse in this race um, because it's he could be a horse that's just developing and improving, and you know, in the right place and time as far as you know where he's sitting sitting on a peak race. Now he is going to come off a little bit of a layoff. So he doesn't have quite as much uh, recency. He did win off a similar layoff in the Jim Dandy, but that race isn't going to be fast enough to win this race. He's going to have to have a top effort today. And the trip is going to be interesting for him because he does have that ability to to show early speed um, and, and have that trip. And, you know, Rosario can be kind of unpredictable that way. Like if he's mm-hmm. out there trying to push life is good, I'm not going to be... That surprised if that's how they think they're gonna, you know, that they're not gonna, they're not gonna be able to come from behind and out kick a flight line, right? That they Mm -hmm. may think, hey, maybe if I can get out in front of him, maybe we got a shot. You know, I think you kind of have to play that scenario um in your head. And so they they you know, they have some options um coming in this race, but at the same time, like. Are either of those trips like that ideal for him? I don't mm. know. I, I think I he's going to, you know, coming from off the pace as a closer. I don't think he's like the type of closer like Rich Strike is. Um, that's not necessarily his preferred running style. Um, if they do try to kind of get, you know, first run on flight line, um, uh, this will be a scenario where Epicenter is facing the best horses he's ever faced in his life, like by far. You know, he's going to really have to step up. And then it comes down to what we we're talking about on the distaff. I mean, he's probably going to kind of be a short price. Maybe he is the second choice in this race, and that's kind of no value from from that perspective. Especially if so, you're trying to
0: beat Flightline, are you trying to beat him with just the next horse?
3: Right, right, with a horse that maybe is you know three to one. Like that's just you know that's not exciting to me. So I know there's there's a lot of people that are uh, that are in this horse's camp, um, and you know are are sticking with him and think, you know, he's the goods, the right time and place. Um, I, I haven't ever really been, I think he's a, I think he's a good horse. I don't think he's that great. And so at a short price, I can try to go elsewhere.
0: Yeah. I've not ever really been a, a full fan waving the flag on epicenter. He's I've completely respect his ability. It's been a really nice year for him and it would not shock me in this race, but I agree with you. His chances and the price there are a couple others that might intrigue me Just a little bit more Based on like their price in, in this spot Right next door we have Olympiad He got really good This year, he has won six of his Seven races, he won a lot of grade two And grade threes, kind of feeding up on Inferior company, he got the better Of Happy Saver in the Ali Sheba At Churchill on May the 6th And then in the Whitney He faced the toughest group that he would faced all year He also hooked A good off track that day So maybe we can build that into the excuse and say he just wasn't really getting over the track. It could have also been the competition that was, you know, with Life is Good in there and with Hot Rod Charlie in there, probably the toughest field that he had faced. He then comes back in the jockey club against a really soft group and beats them pretty handily. What do you think about Olympiad coming into this race? Does he fit with this group?
3: Well, I I would say probably like my least favorite thing about this job sometimes is being forced to give picks sometimes I'm giving picks on horses that I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily like, but I'm, they're like the lesser of evil angle. And so that's where I landed on Olympiad.
0: Really, so, this you know, is funny. I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have figured you would have picked him. Talk to us more about Olympiad. No, I w-
3: I wouldn't have figured I would have picked him either. But and again, it's it's not necessarily that I'm picking him. It's that I'm not picking anybody else, right? Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> in this race, process of elimination. <laughs> where, absolutely. So that's because that's where I went, right? And um, you know, as as we're kind of going through, and as I've talked about each one of these horses, i I've, I've like kind of, you know, made, made knocks on each, on each one of them. And I get to Olympiad and I'm like, I, you know, I think he's probably not the best horse in this race, but I also, at the same time, he's probably sitting on his best race. And and there's a couple, there's a couple reasons for that. Um, You know, you mentioned the Whitney, but it's really the race before that and the Stephen Foster, where he's coming off a 57 day layoff. He runs his career best race. It's an optics figure of 113, which kind of stands out above anything he'd ever run. He gets an uh, A-optics grade, which is the only time he's ever run an A-optics grade. Strong keyword. It was a very strong race that day. Um, So you can even make the case that there's some regression in Saratoga. But, But going back to that, just in terms of form cycle, he ran that race off a similar layoff to today. So it's like kind of has that same timing. Not only that, but he's perfect in Kentucky. He has the Stephen Foster win. He has the Ali Sheba win. He even has a win here at Keeneland. That was kind of his breakout race. Mm -hmm. So it just could be one of those things where, you know, Bill Mott recognized, hey, you know, he likes it here for whatever reason. He tends to run well off this type of layoff. If he runs a 113, which is that optics figure from the Stephen Foster. Uh, I mean, Flightline's best number optics figure-wise, I don't know what he is on anything else because this is all I have, is 115 in the Pacific Classic. He was a 113 um, in his non-winers-one allowance, but nobody else is is even 110. Uh, No, there is 110. Uh, Life is good um, at Gulfstream. But, you know, outside of that, so it's like, okay, he has the race. Mm-hmm. You know, that race
0: now what trip yeah,
3: with uh, with him what are
0: you hoping with him where do you want where would you like to see him as someone who might be back him
3: honestly i have I have no I have no idea because again I yeah. just don't I, you know I don't think he's <laughs> no, that's great I, you know, I don't but, yeah I mean maybe maybe if he is sitting one to two lengths off because he has shown, he has shown when he kind of gets clear, he's sort of the opposite of Hot Rod Charlie, right? He'll kind of just be like, oh, this is cool. I'm out here, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm put, okay I'll with it. I'll put this. you away. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, mind putting cool you exactly. away. Exactly. <laughs> so he kind of he has that going. I mean, his plot's not great in terms of the fact that it's not like he's a square, that he has that much finishing ability. But again, it just could be one of those horses I've and I have no idea in terms of trip. I mean, if he's sitting... Uh, sitting off life is good maybe if they're trying to raid him he's been able the thing about him is he does have some versatility as far as he can put himself in the race and he can come from off the pace and I think a lot of his running lines and finishing positions has to just sort of deal with him being better in those races so I don't really know I don't you know if he's five five lengths off I don't know if that's bad I, I don't really know um, well, this
0: with in in watching all of these replays that I've that we've all been watching of the European horses, for example, in like the turf races. You know, what makes it tough in some of them is that you see these horses that show some early speed in their races in Europe or they're prominent or they're close to the lead. And you know that that's not going to be the case over here. but but that doesn't mean they can't win from farther back. That might right. mean that they're just maybe they're better horses in their races that they're in, and they're just showing more, more positional speed because they're better Hey let's just we're better than this field Let's get a little bit closer I, I That Olympiad kind of I was Getting there with him as you were talking Because the thing about it if you If you look at Olympiad and you can't project The trip out in your head I'm not sure where he is Going to be hey you know what you're not Talking about a short price in that You You don't want to ask those questions about A horse that's a short price if you have some Questions about a horse that's going to be Double digits and I think he will I think he's yeah, 10 yeah. I, th- I, sure. I think
3: he's gonna get like lost on this board.
0: Totally agree. I I think fifty if you like if he's up there at 15 or 20 to 1, that would not shock me at all. This is a horse who hasn't been two to one in any race this year. Right. Not even two to one in any of those races. So just from a pure value standpoint, it's almost like uh like if you're looking at the betting board and the best value that every horse in this spot may represent with what they've Shown in what they could possibly do, he may be the one that, like, if that was your formula for how you were looking to bet this race, that may be the horse you land on.
3: Yes, and and I mean, it still shocks me because, like you said, start. I can't believe you picked that horse, and I'm still kind of like, I can't believe I did either. But you but, know, here you know, we yeah. are.
1: It's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> you know? with the price. And it
3: might and he might not be good enough. But it just kind of like, like I said, it was process of elimination. It's going to come down to price. I think he's going to be lost in the mix because of these other three olds that are kind of on the up and up or even a horse like hot rod, Charlie, uh, you know, who just kind of seems like he has a little bit more buzz on him than Olympiad at this point. Um, you know, we'll see it's, it's, you know, uh, and again, flight line could crush. So
1: <laughs> let's
0: finish up with rich strike, who was your Kentucky Derby winner at 80 to one draws in off the also eligible's list. And after that race, I didn't even know if we were going to see him again. He skipped the Preakness, which just seemed weird for any Kentucky Derby winner. Um, he runs back in the Belmont, doesn't really fire, race shape, you know, he just didn't really run well that day. Then he comes back in the Travers and the Lucas Classic. He runs two almost best races of his life um, in really good company. I didn't know he had those races in him. Honestly, Emily, I thought he was going to be one of those one-hit wonders that – you know, we we're talking about like, you know, Mambo number five and Lou Vega, you know, one of those like that's who I thought Rich Strike was going to be. But his Travers, his Lucas Classic, he showed he's a legitimate horse. This is a closer. He's going to drop back and he he might get it, it. It's hard again with like what happens here. But in these smaller fields, those don't really play as kind to him where he has to maybe get out of his running style and show a little more tracking tracking speed. He's probably one who wants to just sit back and make his late run, right?
3: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's gonna come down to like you said, he's he's proven he's proven himself that he's a good horse and that he belongs in this field and he could show up and he could show up with a run. I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, we'll make the comparison one more time, but like the Air trip, Absolutely. like where's he going right? to be? That's exactly where I was
0: going. Yep.
3: <laughs> if they go really fast, he's going to be really far back. If they go, you know, if they go kind of moderate fraction, you know, which I don't, I don't necessarily know, or they try to put him in the race where they are going fast. It's not going to necessarily be his trip. So it's probably not one that, that a trip that's going to shake out for him. And um, I mean, he is listed as, the longest price on the morning line and he he should be um for all those factors but at the same time i mean he just might not be because it's a big day it's a big race and he's the derby winner and more people more people public right if we just kind of get out of our like horse racing bubble and go into the real world there's probably more people that have heard the horse name rich strike than they have flight line absolutely you know um you know, maybe he's shorter just
0: just on that, you know, from that factor al- alone. Rich Strike, uh, yeah. He, he made me look silly just to, in his last couple because I didn't know he had another race like that in him. But they've done a great job with him. And you know what? Looking back, hindsight, skipping the Preakness was what was better for this horse because he's thrown a couple good races in. And we're talking about him as a horse who wouldn't be that shocking to see him run well in the Breeders' Cup Classic. I would not have said that a couple months ago.
3: No, I think I think he'll show up and put and put forth an honest effort in this race. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And just
0: what kind of trip that is and how good that is, we'll see. But he is honest and he's uh, accounted himself very well in his last few. Emily, I love I love when we get the chance to just talk at, talk it out like this, and it's so fun when we get to talk out the best horses in the biggest races this year, the best fillies and mares in the distaff, and then the best horses in the Breeders' Cup Classic. We uh, we heard everything at the beginning. Um, all of the uh, the stuff that you have going on this week with Breeders Cup stuff, I saw some of your videos posted. You also did some uh, some stuff with uh, with Jim Miller over there. Love Jim, he is so great. I, I haven't talked to Jim quite as much, but when I was working at TVG before, I got to check in with Jim all the time covering uh, races. We would talk some baseball and stuff. Uh, Jim is such a good dude over there. So please tell him hello when you get the chance to and talk to him next. And we will be following you at Emily Optics EQ. Optics is incredible information For you and the One thing that you and I I think Kind of have the same mindset in I I hate picks I'm just not A person that I'll give out My picks or I'll talk about horses that I like At prices I like giving a value Line I like this horse at this price This horse at this price is playable But I don't just like going into things saying Here's my top three One five six post them there I I never learned Myself, when somebody just threw up picks So I don't like doing that Because I want other people to learn a little bit About what we're talking about And my analysis and my thoughts And that's that's what optics is Optics isn't a picks, you know, um, sheet Optics is something that helps you Use the information And kind of use it to however you want to use it To adjust your handicapping, your gambling And you as a handicapper and a gambler You also do the same thing So we're very like-minded, I think, in horse players in that sense, and that you can't be really rigid and set into your picks and just say, Oh, I'm convinced this is the horse, this is the race. Because things change race day. Prices change and you have to be ready to call an audible.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and be flexible. I mean, as far as, you know, it's 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 having good information, being able to trust that information. Um, you know, the the package is still available as far as optics for Braiders Cup, which is honestly it's it's not anything different in the sense of with the same price, it's fifty dollars. You get all tracks, all optics notes for all that stuff, but then you're getting the extra stuff for Breeders' Cup. We've done optics focus, which is more of a, a deeper analysis of each race, you know, with with an optics focus line, a little bit of commentary as far as um you know why why certain decisions or why certain pieces of information. But again, it's it's not doing picks. It's not necessarily rank order. Um, you know you're going to be able to look at that information, be able to look at the board. Um, and, and then again, like these conversations, uh, and like the content I'm putting out, the idea is to engage with it. Right? Is you're going to engage engage with the content mm-hmm. and look at this race. Maybe a little bit different. Maybe there's something. Oh, I didn't look at that or yeah, you brought that up, but I don't, you know, that's cool, but no thanks, you know, whatever. That's, that's perfect too. You know, um, in some of the videos with, with Jim, we're looking at multi-race sequences and talking about them from like a betting structure. So even if you disagree with my opinion or the horses I've used, at least you have an understanding of why I put the ticket together mm-hmm. the way, you know, the, the approach, way that I, the, the way that I did the approach the process the theory you know all those things and so um yeah that's that's in in, in optics and you know the value of of your show to the public
0: and we through the years you have helped us here uh, as much as anyone on these big days and i know on a big week it's just busy busy time you have all the other tracks that you're taking care of too on top of doing breeders cup and you're always so kind to carve out some time and talk with us and I, it's crazy to think about all like the hours that we've we've spent now and like I've never even really seen you in person and talked to you there. So I can't wait till (laughs) Oh my
3: gosh, that's so true. Right. I never thought about that. (laughs) I can't wait
0: till like the one day where I could come and give you a big hug and just say thank you for uh for everything and all the help through the years. Is it's funny, like I'm talking to all these friends that I have that I've never seen in person, which you know, all social media and stuff can be so negative, but I was able to over Tuesday and Wednesday have like Fifteen conversations with people that I really only stay in touch with because of social media. I still would be able to if it wasn't there, but you see them more. You know, like you see the post, you see the comments, you you kind of dive into stuff, and that's what's great. Like I'm able to to keep in touch with all these people and 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 learn and and share. And I've learned so much from you through the years. So I just can't thank you enough for uh, for all your time. You're one of the absolute best, and I always love chatting with you.
3: Yeah, thank you so much, and good luck to everybody out there. Hope you have a great breeder's cut.
0: Make sure to give Emily a follow on Twitter at Emily optics EQ. You can find all the good stuff there that, uh, that she has all the content, all the selections, some of the analysis, optics plots, everything you need from Emily. Uh, good luck this week, Emily, have a fantastic weekend. I hope you crush it. Thank you. Folks don't go anywhere. We still have a lot more to discuss on this breeders cup Saturday preview show. Stay tuned. Awesome stuff from Emily and just, So, so thankful to have a great group of people that helped us out this year with our Breeders' Cup shows for Friday and for Saturday. Uh, Thank you to every single person that took time out of their busy, busy schedule to share some of their analysis, their insight. They also helped me out recording a couple days early, so everybody had to get their handicapping done way, way early and in advance. Very lucky to have so many people help us out between three different preview shows. On this part two show, a big thank you again to Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. Caitlin Free helped us out with the turf. The Breeders' Cup Classic, Barry Spears, and Matt Santas gave us some awesome information there. And then Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ also talked Classic with us there. If you're just finding out about this episode and you didn't hear our Breeders' Cup Friday preview, or our Saturday Part 1 preview. You can find both of those anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe to That's What G Said Podcast and share the show around with your friends if you can. We normally have episodes where we're talking all of the major sports, but we had so much to talk about the Breeders' Cup that we end up doing uh, special preview shows for Breeders' Cup days. We'll have another episode coming up this week, though, where we talk about all the football games. We preview anything, everything for NFL Week 9. We get into NCAA football Week 10. And we always have coverage of everything happening in the world of pro wrestling, WWE, AEW, and NXT, Monday Night Raw, and SmackDown, we recap and review all of those major shows with our good friend Chad Cooper every single week. Every single football game is previewed. We start talking more basketball now. We're going to get into college basketball very soon. And if there is any movie or TV show in Marvel and in Star Wars, we're talking about it. And or we have episode... Deep dive recaps and review of every episode of Andor That's currently going on We had the same for Obi-Wan Kenobi For the Book of Boba Fett For The Mandalorian We have all of those in our records If you want to go back and listen to some of the recaps and reviews For Marvel Every Marvel movie and TV show now In the Disney Plus era We have recap, reviewed, discussed With different guests Everything in sports, in pop culture you can get right here on That's What G Said podcast. Good luck this weekend in all of your Breeders' Cup plays, and thank you so much for taking some of your time to hang out with us here on That's What G Said.